Hello, Topical, and welcome back to your NBA coverage that we're doing weekly, and we're just ramping up to the playoffs. I'm here with my NBA correspondent, Arad Faruqi, and hey, it seems like we're going to be doing this for a while. How are you doing, yeah. Arad? <clears throat> I'm doing well. Um, <clears throat> yeah, the NBA is, uh, it's actually been, in my opinion, even, you know, even with, I guess, what was considered a lack of parity before the beginning of the season. It's shaping up to be a pretty good NBA season, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. So. And this is probably going to be the only NBA podcast that you listen to that isn't going to get sidetracked by the NCAA tournament. We're just going to go straight past through it. We're not going to talk about the Virginia upset. We're not going to talk about any of your Cinderella picks. We're just going straight through. Yeah, the, the tournament has been pretty good, though. I will say that. Um, but, uh, yeah, the NBA um, has been I better. Have, I've definitely had some focus on it. So. Oh, yeah. yeah. So uh, what games have you been watching this week? So since our podcast last Sunday, I watched <clears throat> that after we finished up on the podcast, I watched the um, Lakers Cavaliers game that Sunday night. Then on Wednesday, I watched uh, the double overtime game on ESPN between the Wizards and the Celtics. Yeah. And then on, I believe it was, I watched, uh, and then last night I watched uh, the Cleveland and Chicago game. Oh, and then also Cleveland and Portland. Uh, on Thursday night. Okay, so, cool. So four games this week, three of them being about Cleveland, since uh, <laughs> everyone seems to know I follow Cleveland pretty religiously. So yeah, they they really haven't stepped up their defense yet. It doesn't yeah, seem like that's uh, happening until the playoffs. Yeah, I, I feel like at this point they they sort of did. actually. And uh, what was interesting about that was while I was watching the Portland game, uh, to me it really seemed like LeBron was. Uh, he looked extremely engaged, even like on defense as well. Um, typically, he sort of just coasts, and you know, he kind of he just kind of does whatever, and he stands on the perimeter and lets everyone else do everything. But he was taking some defensive assignments. Uh, he had a couple switches onto Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum. He did a pretty good job defending them. Um, and then the the highlight play coming out of that game was his uh, his dunk on Yusuf Nurkic. Yeah, I saw <laughs> that. That was pretty good. Yeah, and. Uh, but overall, um, and, you know, just talking about Cleveland, as you know, we've, we've sort of been following them for the past few weeks. Uh, I think, I think what they showed in the game against Portland, uh, Portland's they beating they beat Cleveland by eight points. Um, but defensively, they did a pretty good job. They held Portland to one hundred thirteen points, which, you know, it's not amazing. But seeing as Portland was on an eleven game winning streak, you know, it's good that they didn't give up, you know, like one twenty or one twenty five or something else, like you know they usually do. Yeah. Um, so I think in that game, they sort of showed me that they're able to step up on defense and probably be uh, a team that's somewhere around a top, you know, I would say maybe top 10 to 12 defense in the league, but uh, probably not anything more than that. Uh, they're really limited defensively in terms of talent. They don't really have anybody who, aside from, honestly, LeBron James who uh, and George Hill to a degree who's, you know, uh, been able to be a lockdown defender in the past. Uh, Rodney Hood, I think, is still a little bit away. Uh, he didn't play. He's out with a, I believe, a back spasm or something like that. Uh, um, that's not fun. Larry, Larry Nance was is out as was out as well. Uh, and I mean, I give them a little bit. I give them. I, I don't take too much away from the loss to Portland because LeBron James played amazingly. He had uh, 35 points, 14 rebounds, six assists, three blocks, two steals. Uh, and he shot at sixty percent from the field, so he had a, he had another amazing LeBron game. Uh, but the most concerning thing to me about that game actually wasn't their defense; it was more about how uh, LeBron was completely engaged. Like it, it looked as though he was playing in a playoff game. He was 
he wasn't settling for three-point jump shots. He was attacking the rim. He was, you know, getting layups, making spin moves, uh, attracting defensive attention, and he was, you know, he was picking his passes very wisely. He was only hitting, uh, he was hitting George Hill and Kyle Korver in the corners, hitting Kyle Korver wide open, and uh, you know, some other players while they were cutting to the basket and things like that. So his his selection of his passing and his, uh, you know, and his shot selection were very good. So I thought he was very engaged. But what worried me about it was even with LeBron playing at a very high level, um, the other Cavs just couldn't seem to get it going. And that that was sort of alarming to me because it, it seems as though, like, the thing for Cleveland is that it's always like the team goes as LeBron goes. So it's like when LeBron steps up to be how, you know, however great he is, then obviously the team is going to be great. But um, just maybe it's because of the lack of star power on the floor right now because there's no Kevin Love there. Uh, it maybe it just seems like they're, they can't step up even when LeBron plays very well. But um, I think that's definitely something to watch with that team. Oh, 100%. And uh, something I've been re- really paying attention to is how are the Cavs going to look when Kevin Love comes back? Because yeah. you see uh, every year at the trade deadline, they have this whole retooling period where they have to redevelop chemistry. And that's one of the great things about LeBron is that he allows the team to the, do that because he's such a great, he's just a piece that you can easily build a team around and he's mm-hmm. always helping his teammates out. But I'm, I'm especially concerned this year because it doesn't seem like they're developing chemistry right now, and that's only going to get worse once Kevin Love comes back and when Tristan jo- Thompson eventually does. Yeah, uh, I think the, the one player I think that I'm sort of the most disappointed in since the trade deadline has been Rodney Hood. Yeah, uh, he, he hasn't really like when the tra- when that trade went through, and I remember um, the day of the trade deadline, you and I were in class together, and then I, I mentioned to you that some of the trades that happened. Yeah, and I didn't even know when. when yeah, when he was acquired, I was really excited because, you know, in Utah, he's been around a 17, 18 point per game score, shooting like 38% from three. Uh, so I really looked, I really look forward to him becoming a definitive third option on this team behind uh, LeBron James and Kevin Love because to me, uh, what's interesting about LeBron has been that he's never really, when he's had a team with a lot of talent, the third option on the team has never actually been a player who is, I guess, a th- like a third option necessarily because Chris Bosh, obviously you could make the argument he was a first or second option yeah. when he joined the heat. And then Kevin Love obviously was amazing as a Timberwolf before uh, he was traded to Cleveland. So, you know, Chris Bosh and Kevin Love have sort of had to adapt to roles as becoming a third option. But to me, Rodney Hood was an amazing fit because he's, he's a player who can catch and shoot and then also, you know, slash to the basket and make good plays around the rim. But at the same time, he does all of those things without having to meet the ball a lot. So, he was a player who I thought would be a perfect third option next to Kevin Love, who likes to hold the ball a little bit in the post. And then obviously LeBron, who loves to hold the ball to facilitate and drive to the basket and all that stuff. So uh, his play has been a little bit disappointing. I really hope that he steps up uh, when he returns from this this little setback that he's got going on. Because I truly think that because Rodney Hood is 6'8", and he's a shooting guard, uh, he obviously has a ton of defensive potential, even if he's not necessarily a good defender on the ball. Just because he's so long and his wingspan is so long, I, I think that he could really be disruptive on defense, especially um, because in in the finals, you know, assuming Cleveland makes it to the finals, and let's say that their matchup is with Golden State, Rodney Hood is tall enough to the point where he can, you can put him on Kevin Durant and not, you know, like it, it, Kevin Durant obviously is going to be able to torch anyone, but 
Rodney Hood is like it's not like he would it's not like Kevin Durant's baskets would be so easy as they've been in the past where he was you know shooting shots over J.R. Smith who's like four five maybe even six inches shorter than him um, or Richard Jefferson that was that was something that was happening in the finals last year as well um, so you know Rodney Hood just basically just because of his size and his ability to shoot the ball uh, I really hope that he can get things uh, clicking once he returns to the lineup. Oh, definitely, and it's so important that the Cavs at the trade deadline they got some length and some athleticism for the Warriors because that's really what they they need to be doing at this point. It's just thinking about what they're going to do for the Warriors. I get that they have their concerns about the Eastern Conference, but at, at this point, there's not much they could do if they were going to lose in the Eastern Conference Finals. Like it is what it is at this point. But yeah, yeah, yeah I agree. It's going to be LeBron or bust in the Eastern Conference. Oh yeah. But uh, what I'm curious to hear about is uh, what you thought about the Trailblazers' defense. So I know their main thing is they like to play really good team defense. Uh, it doesn't seem like they're still holding up. And uh, how, how did they really combat LeBron? Uh, honestly, I, I've been very, very impressed with Portland's defense. Uh, I remember, I'm not sure if we talked about it on last week's podcast or not, but um, there was a game that they played against Golden State, uh, you know, and it was Kevin Durant, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green. There was no Steph Curry. But I believe they held Golden State to something like 108 points. And to me, I mean, I know that they're a little bit, they're a lower scoring team when Steph Curry doesn't play, but still, I mean, to be able to hold Klay Thompson and Kevin Durant, and then obviously you have Nick Young on that team. He can he can obviously shoot a lot of threes. Yeah. Omri Caspi can make threes. Draymond Green, when, he's, when he feels, I mean, like on occasion, Draymond Green can make threes. And then, you know, Sean Livingston's a very good mid-range scorer. They did a very good end. Uh, I feel like I'm missing one player, but regardless, I, I thought that their defense has been actually been very good. And the fact that they've been able to win 11 games tells me that, um, or whatever their streak was, uh, I think they I think they were on an 11 game winning streak. I'm not sure if it's been snapped yet or not, but basically, what an 11 game win streak tells me is that their defense has been very good because obviously, in a span of 11 games, you're not going to have that many. Like, you're going to have good offensive nights, but I feel like it's very difficult to have 11 consecutive very strong offensive nights in a row. So there's obviously going to be some games in the middle of that streak where you're going to need to rely on your defense, and I feel like they've done that pretty well. Oh, yeah. And uh, that's something interesting about the NBA, because in most sports, you can't really rely on your defense to uh, be very consistent. You can rely on your offense a lot more just because it's uh, more scheme-dependent. You can have like one individual player who's like always on, and then they, yeah, you know, like it really lifts up the whole team. But you don't see that as much with defense. But Portland's has really held up, and that's been good. Obviously, it's going to fall off sooner or later, just because you don't have a streak for the rest of the season. But mm-hmm. you know, but speaking of uh, really good streaks in the NBA right now, uh, it, it, even though the Jazz's a uh, ten-game win streak or whatever they got to it was broken, it seems like they started another one right now, and they're all the way up to the fifth seed in the Western yeah. Conference. The Jazz to me are the worst best team in the eastern conference <laughs> it's an interesting phrase to yeah. say but in terms of like a like they really are like when on, on all cylinders when they're clicking like they're they're one of the more consistent teams in the western conference because you have a team like denver who's extremely inconsistent and then you have obviously san antonio you can't really blame them for being inconsistent because of you know they they always have they always seem like they have it together, but this season they've just sort of had a lot of injuries and the whole Kawhi situation looming over them. So I can forgive that. But uh, and then obviously Oklahoma City is extremely inconsistent. Um, Minnesota has had a lot of trouble being consistent with Jimmy Butler out of the lineup. Um, 
And uh, New Orleans, obviously, they also have some injuries. I think Anthony Davis has missed two, three games or something like that So, uh, in recent weeks. So uh, Utah is more consistent. I feel like they're one of those teams, like, if they're losing games, and they'll lose a few games. But when they're winning games, they'll win a lot of games. Uh, so I won't be surprised if they end up making the playoffs. Uh, I think the two teams that will end up being out of the playoffs, I think it'll end up being Denver and uh, the Clippers because I have a lot more faith in Greg Popovich, especially because – they just went to Minnesota last night, I think, and they, they beat the the Wolves by 16 points. So, yeah. uh, you know, that was impressive. And LaMarcus Aldridge had 39 points and I think 14 rebounds, uh, something like that. A very good game. And, you know, if LaMarcus Aldridge continues to play like that for, you know, 13, 14 more games, uh, I, I won't be surprised if San Antonio misses the playoffs or makes the playoffs, rather. And then um, I also went Anthony Davis gets back. I do have faith that New Orleans will be able to stay in there. But Los Angeles and Denver really they don't have anything that's that's you know making me think that either of them will make the playoffs cuz Utah really when Rudy Gobert is in the lineup um I know a lot of people love to focus on Donovan Mitchell with that team and you know that's that's completely fair Donovan Mitchell I saw a stat today in the past 20 seasons he has uh the fourth most 25 point games by a rookie behind uh Carmelo Anthony Blake Griffin and LeBron James so he's a very good scorer he's already an NBA ready scorer so, but Rudy Gobert really, really, really tightens up their defense in there. Their differential is much, much better when he's on the court. And uh, the whole team just really seems to have a And Joe Ingles is having an amazing season. He just set the Jazz franchise record for three-pointers three, point, three pointers made. So, you know, Utah has a lot of... Uh, they've got a lot of uh, interchangeable pieces. Um, Quinn Snyder, I think, is an underrated head coach in the NBA. Definitely. And, um, yeah... Yeah, I, I, you know me. I'm a massive Rudy Gobert fan, and anytime he's uh, lifting up their defense, I'm very happy with it. I would love to see them make the playoffs, but yeah, I'm. It makes me super sad that the Nuggets aren't going to make it at this point. Sure, anything could happen, and the Spurs could miraculously fall off. But I'd much rather see the 20 year streak uh, stay alive than the than the Nuggets. Oh, sorry. What? Yeah. Um. Nothing. I was just muting muting my game. Oh, I didn't um, even hear it. Oh, yeah, um, the stream has just come on. So, yeah. Uh, Ryan and I are going to be watching Timberwolves game. For yeah, Timberwolves Rockets. Oh, yeah, I was super yeah. sad to just see Derrick Rose, and we'll, we're going to get into that later and why Fibdo's an <laughs> idiot. But, but yeah, I, I mean, I'm super disappointed that the Nuggets are going to miss the playoffs basically just because Paul Mosep was injured for half the year. But, I mean, the Spurs have survived without Kawhi Leonard and uh, up until uh, when Greg Popovich's uh, Spurs were still in the number three seed. I, w- I would have said he's coach of the year. Obviously, they've fallen yep. off now, so he's not really. But, you know, he, he's still been done an amazing job. And really, all of these NBA teams are struggling for injuries at this point. Yeah, especially the Warriors. The Warriors have actually been multiple injuries. I was kind of surprised. Uh, yeah. Clay Thompson. Clay Thompson is out with a fractured thumb. Kevin Durant is out with some uh, fractured rib cartilage. Steph Curry out with an ankle sprain. And Draymond Green uh, has some nagging injuries, but he played last night, so yeah, I don't think this is a big deal. But uh, on the note of the Warriors, actually, I, I watched a little bit of the Phoenix Suns, uh, or not? Yeah, no, Phoenix Suns, and or first I watched. The, a little bit of the Golden State and Sacramento game. Sacramento ended up beating the Warriors, but they didn't have any of their big four, so it wasn't a big deal. But last night, uh, they were in a close, or when I was watching it, it was a close game against Phoenix. And uh, I, I think last week you asked me this question about the Warriors' backup point guard, Quinn Cook. Yeah. 
in the past two games he scored 25 points and then last night he scored 28 points and uh last last night draymond green uh he had 25 points 11 rebounds and eight assists um so yeah for i mean for draymond green that's a very good game and uh, i was i was texting with one of my friends prior to that game and i was like i said if draymond green can't win a game against phoenix leading a team that he's not he doesn't deserve an all-star yeah so luckily he did that so um yeah he's an all-star yeah <laughs> yeah Draymond Green uh, he's uh, he's one of the more easy players in the NBA to dislike just because of his antics and how loud and annoying he is and obviously because of the Steven Adams kick two years ago but he <laughs> yeah. impressed me last night he did a very good job yeah I forgot about that Steven Adams kick it, it was really funny like two years ago Steven Adams looked a lot less homeless but once he got this uh, whole mustache and beard thing he he's just like going oh, off yeah. the deep end <laughs> the way that he looked his rookie year is nothing like how he looks now but Oh, yeah, it's like a hardened transformation right there. Yeah. Um, let's see. What else is going on in the NBA? Uh, I guess we can talk about this Timberwolves thing and them uh, hiring uh, Derek Rose. Are you as disappointed in the Timberwolves? I mean, I don't really know because I personally am a big fan of Derek Rose. Just, I mean, I feel like it's difficult to root against a guy who's still trying after everything that's happened to him. But at the same time, Derrick Rose really is not. He, he's he's not really an NBA caliber starter at this point in his career. Like, I think if he's able to get a consistent rhythm off the bench, he can be a player who gives you maybe eight to ten points a game, if that. Um, but he, he's lost his playmaking ability. He's lost his ability to really explode. Uh, he can give some flashes here or there, but he can only really do it for a couple minutes a game. But you know, I think mentally it'll put him in a good place to be with Tom Thibodeau again, and uh, I'm I'm not excited, but at the same time, like it's not I'm not opposed to them signing him just because like it's whatever. He, he Tom Thibodeau doesn't even play his bench anyway, so it probably won't affect very much. Yeah, and like my biggest thing was I'm fine if he wants to come off the bench, but I was worried that he was going to be taking away minutes from Tyus Jones, who uh, secretly has oh, been yeah. one of the best, uh, effi- most efficient players on the team right now. Yeah, Tyus Jones, he surprised me. I remember last year uh, when they made that deal for Jimmy Butler. Um, I, as a Timberwolves fan, I was kind of like, why'd you get rid of Chris Dunn? You should have you you kept Chris Dunn and got rid of Tyus Jones. But no, Tyus Jones has proved me wrong in that aspect. He's probably been just about as good as Chris Dunn has been for the Bulls this season. Um, you know, But Chris Dunn also quietly having a very good season. Uh, but yeah, Tyus Jones is... As long as Derrick Rose doesn't interfere with the development of Tyus Jones, and that's fine. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and like, it's not like I hate Derrick Rose or anything. It's just I want to protect the Timberwolves. I feel bad enough already for them that they lost uh, Jimmy Butler, and who knows what's going to happen for him in the playoffs. But Yeah. yeah. Oh. oh, is he playing? Oh, is he? I, I didn't notice is that. Is he back? Oh, my, I didn't know that. Here, we'll find out in a couple minutes, but uh, speaking of uh, injury news... Uh, oh, that was, that was a replay, never mind. Oh, uh, you got me, you got me <laughs> excited. Was, yeah, no, I don't think it's playing. Okay, so uh, yeah, don't expect good defense then. So, yeah. uh, as in other uh, injury news across the NBA, uh, what, what's going on with the Kawhi saga? I thought he was supposed to play on Thursday. Uh, he was, and then uh, he just didn't. So, the, mm. the, the situation there is, I don't know, it, it worries me because... I feel like I'm. I feel as though Kawhi Leonard. I I don't want to see him anywhere in the league except in San Antonio because without Kawhi Leonard, as we've seen, 
this season, the Spurs are, they're not necessarily a team that can be a consistent powerhouse in the Western Conference. Yeah. Um, they've had a very good year without him. I think it's extremely impressive what they've been able to do with practically no one, aside from LaMarcus Aldridge and a bunch of old guys and then some, yeah, you know. And even whoever. Aldridge has been out a bunch of games, and same with uh, Pau Gasol. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, Pau Gasol is there as well, but he's old at this point. And, like, like, like the Spurs' main guys are, like, Bryn Forbes, Davis Bertans, and DeJounte Murray. And, and Kyle Anderson. Yeah, Kyle Anderson. And the fact that they've been able to do everything that they've been doing to me is extremely amazing. But at the same time, if Kawhi Leonard goes to another team, it's, it's just kind of like, where would he go? Because I don't see Kawhi Leonard as being a player who should necessarily, I don't think he should become a second option anywhere. And it seems like any good place that he would go to would, it would be a place where he would be the first option because like, I mean, there's no team out there that really has a good second and third option, but where he could become the first option and lead them. You know, like, I don't really see any any situation out there in the league that puts him in. I mean, I don't know. Maybe if he wanted to go to the Jazz or something, like, the Jazz could be very good. Oh, that'd be weird. Yeah, it'd be really weird, but it would work because, I mean, they'd be defensively unstoppable because of Kawhi and Rudy Gobert. And then you have Donovan Mitchell for scoring, and Kawhi can score, and he can shoot. And, you know, that that could be cool. And then, obviously, you have Ricky Rubio making plays for everyone, so it's, Kawhi could hold off even more on developing that part of his game. <laughs> but um, overall, I, I want him to stay in San Antonio because, like, he's he's a spur. Like, he's he's perfect for the Spurs, and it just – it was sort of – I feel like – change the Spurs reputation a little bit as being the most, you know, because everyone who comes to the Spurs stays loyal to the Spurs. David Robinson loves the Spurs still. Tim Duncan, Manu Ginobili, Tony Parker, Bruce Bowen, Steven Jackson, everyone who's been a Spur talks so highly about the franchise. And it would just look weird if their star player said that he wants out. Um, but hopefully San Antonio uh, offers him the super max contract extension this off season and he signs it because then, We'll see him locked up in San Antonio for the next five years, which I think is good. But as far as his injury situation goes, uh, based on what I've watched and what I've read, it's just a matter of they, the Spurs medical staff has cleared him, but Kawhi himself has said that he's he feels like it's still lingering a little bit, and he said that he doesn't want to take any chances playing on it if he's going to be hurt. Or um, So hopefully he returns tomorrow. Tomorrow is uh, they're playing the Golden State on live TV. Ooh. so. That would be cool if he could come back and play that game because uh, I think if they won that game uh, against the the short, very very shorthanded Warriors, then uh, I think a win like that would be able to get them some momentum uh, towards the end of the season because the Spurs have the second hardest season, um, second hardest remaining schedule. Uh, I'm not sure what team is number one, but they have the second hardest remaining schedule in the league. Uh, the combined win percentage of all the teams they're facing is like 58 percent. Or something like that. So yeah, we mentioned last week that it was like a equivalent to a number four seed in the league. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I hope that it's nothing serious because obviously there have been a lot of reports that there's tension and that Kawhi doesn't want to be there anymore and that he might want to leave in the off season because he doesn't have faith that the Spurs management can put guys around him. But if I were the Spurs, what I would do is I would sign Kawhi Leonard to the Supermax section extension, and my pitch to him would be. We're gonna make a strong push at LeBron James in the offseason. <laughs> yeah, I figure you got to do that. Yeah, I think that's what they should do. Um, and then you know, even if they can't lure LeBron, you know, 
Chris, I mean, if Houston collapses in the playoffs, you can probably try and go for Chris Paul because he's probably not going to want to stay in Houston if they completely collapse because at this point, he's 32. He's going to turn 33 soon. Um, and uh, I feel like the door is, in a way, closing on Chris Paul because yeah. point guards, given his injury history, I feel like he's sort of one injury away or maybe one or two injuries away from his career sort of being done. So I think the, the time is the window is closing on Chris Paul's opportunity to be a star caliber player on a championship team. So, you know, maybe the Spurs could make a move at him because he's a free agent this offseason. Um, or, you know, whoever's out there, basically. I'm not sure who all the free agents this coming offseason are, but this class isn't nearly as loaded as the class from two years ago or even last year. But <laughs> if I'm the Spurs, I do got to offer him the Supermax and just hope that he signs it. Um, and just come back next season if he doesn't end up coming back this season. Yeah, and before this year, uh, this year I would have said that Kawhi would have uh, been looking to take a discount, but uh, just because of his uh, history with endorsements, like he's the strong, silent type. Like you're not, he's not going to be getting a lot of money outside of the NBA. So you got to think that he would want to be getting as much out of his um, money as he can. Well, yeah, definitely, because I think Jordan, the deal that he has with the Jordan brand, only gives him, I think. $3 million a year, I want to say. Yeah, something like that. Just nothing. It's very small. It's one of the smaller, smallest contracts for a star player. He's, he himself, I think, this was a report. He obviously didn't say this because he didn't say anything. But yeah. apparently a report said that he was un, he's not happy with the fact that his contract with Jordan does not reflect his standing in the league, which yeah. I think it's only I think in total it's only a $20 million deal. But James Harden's deal with Adidas is worth $200 million. LeBron obviously has a lifetime $1 billion deal with Nike. So, you know, obviously, if Kawhi Leonard's, you know, somewhere between one and five and best players in the world, then he should be reflected as such and um, in his shoe deal. So, yeah, and I'd be curious to see how many more years that's going to last because you got to be certain that he would want to renegotiate. But yeah, back on that uh, Jazz uh, connection, I, I think the biggest thing is that uh, Quinn Snyder is just such a similar coach to uh, Greg Popovich, and he runs a very similar system. And yeah, he is. Uh, they sort of they they play kind of like uh, everything comes off their defense. They're low. They're you know they don't allow that many points, and then they uh, they pound their offense just by smart ball movement, shooting good threes, uh, and taking high percentage shots. I think Kawhi Leonard could thrive in a system like that, but I think it would, in terms of I, maybe for him, I feel like it would be a step up because I know last season he had some issues gelling with LaMarcus Aldridge, but because um, I feel like LaMarcus Aldridge is sort of a difficult player to play with just because, not because of his attitude or anything, but just his style of play is, it's so back to the basket and like when, when he, when, you, when you're making a decision to go through LaMarcus Aldridge for a play, like he, he holds the ball for a good 10 to 12, sometimes longer, like seconds because he, he you know, he backs down, he holds the ball, he extends it out, then sometimes he'll shoot a fade, sometimes he'll do a spin move, sometimes, you know, like he, he is sort of, he's not very, like, he's not conductive to ball movement, really. Um, so, you know, in a system where, in a on a team where he's playing with a player like Rudy Gobert, who doesn't really need the ball offensively and is more of just, you know, offensive rebounds, put-back dunks, pick-and-roll kind of player, yeah. I feel like that would work really well for him. So, And then, obviously, you have Donovan Mitchell, who would give him a second score to take the, take the you know, the load off, because in San Antonio, he doesn't. Right. Lamarcus wasn't really a oh, per game scorer last year, but yeah. Oh, I hope Towns is okay. That didn't look good. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, he's okay. He's limping a little bit, but I think he should be fine. Okay. If he if he goes down, this season's actually over. Yeah. But, yeah. Oh yeah. 
But uh, um, yeah, going back to that Lamarcus Aldridge thing, he's he's really just one of those players where you gotta just feed him the ball and then give him the space. Yeah, kind of like what Towns is doing right now. Uh, but yeah, exactly. Except Towns is better. Yeah, Towns is much better. Towns, I, I oh, also honestly, Kawhi could fit here because there's a report that Andrew Wiggins is unhappy there. So oh, yay! Um, Woohoo! Andrew Wiggins sucks. Yeah, Andrew Wiggins. He, I don't really like as a Wolves fan. I, I like him because, like, he's a good, like, he's a fine NBA player, like, in terms of, as a scorer. No, no, a he's a great scorer. Player. It's just everything else. Yeah, everything else he sucks at. And, he, he like, he doesn't play defense. He can't rebound the ball. He can't pass the ball. And he, he's, like I said, he's one of the, he's been one of the worst defenders in the NBA, despite yeah. being 6'8", which is just disappointing. So, to me, that just says that he doesn't try, which is a little bit annoying. But um, he is not, he shouldn't have been the first pick in that draft. I, I think this sort of just goes to say that, uh, Joel Embiid's injury is the only reason that he was not picked number one. Oh yeah, and that uh, that I don't know that that, oh, that from be, deep. Yeah, and um, yeah, Andrew Wiggins. If Andrew Wiggins, if they trade Andrew Wiggins, and uh, you know, this off season, or honestly, you know, if they trade Andrew Wiggins this off season somewhere else, maybe the Timberwolves would be a cool fit for Kawhi because you know you have a pair of defensive stoppers on the wings. Yeah, Jimmy that would Butler help so much. Kawhi Leonard, that I think would really put the Wolves in a in a spot to actually be a legitimate championship contender, because uh, Towns will develop another year. Then you have Kawhi Leonard and Jimmy Butler, and then obviously you have a point guard who doesn't need that much. And Jeff Teague, um, yeah, and awesome role and, players. You got B- Billy, uh, what's his name uh, with the BJ? Uh, name it, yeah, Bialitsa. Yeah, yeah, Bialitsa, and then uh, Tosh Gibson is an amazing role yeah. player. He's one of the best in the league. Yeah, Taj Gibson, one of the more unsung heroes in the NBA. I really like him. Yeah. Um, but I, I think Thibodeau, uh, I don't know. I mean, obviously Thibodeau does deserve some credit for how well they've been playing, but he does. I think he needs to make and a lot adjust. of criticism. Yeah, he he needs to do a little bit of a like some like one of his assistant coaches or something. Like someone just needs to tell him, like, dude, like you can't play your starters thirty eight minutes just because you want to. Like you got to rest them sometimes. Like. You know, like there's no reason that you should be playing your stars fourth quarter minutes when you're up by 20. Like that's just that's ridiculous. Oh, absolutely. But um, um, yeah. But I mean, you know, we'll live with Tom Thibodeau. I guess he'll be okay. But yeah, the Kawhi situation overall, like I don't, I'm not really sure what. It's one of the more strange stories in the NBA this year. I think it'd probably be the strangest story if it wasn't for the whole Mark Fultz jump shot thing. Oh but, yeah, yeah. Good point. That's kind yeah. of flying, flying under the radar. I don't think many people are talking about that anymore. Yeah, yeah, not really, because I mean, I guess it's sort of just expected that if you're if you're going to um, if you're uh, if you're playing in Philadelphia, then you're not going to play your first season. But because Ben Simmons didn't play his first season, Nerlens Noel didn't play his first season, Joel Embiid didn't play his first two seasons, and now Markel Fultz, obviously. Um, yeah. So I, I think really what it is is that it, almost immediately it got leaked to what the actual story was, but with the Kawhi situation, because the Spurs organization is just so tight-lipped, it's been like seven months, and we still don't know the story. Yeah, I mean, they're, just, they're saying it's quad-something tendinopathy or whatever, but at the end of the day, like there, there's no reason that a player, if he's been cleared yeah, by the medical staff, like you shouldn't be out for nine players. months. This is absurd. Yeah, but I mean, at the end of the day, I guess we'll find out. At the end of the day, everything everything comes out. So if he doesn't sign the extension this offseason, then we'll be in for a really, really interesting free agency. Oh, definitely. And like you would see all the teams going at a run for him because what NBA team doesn't want a player that can have a high usage but also be incredibly efficient and great on defense? Yeah. Honestly, I what, here's what I think. I think that 
<laughs> this was this was a, a really really fun trade scenario that I I read. Um, it would be uh, if Kawhi would have to not sign his extension, he would have to say that he's unhappy and that he wants a trade. So that way he wouldn't be give, he would have the leverage in the situation. The Spurs would be kind of in a tight spot. Then the Spurs could trade. They could do a sign and trade to Philadelphia. Ooh. For like Dar for like Dario Saric and some role players and maybe a draft pick and then LeBron could sign there in the offseason. Then you'd have Kawhi Leonard, Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, and LeBron James. And that would be ridiculous. <laughs> Goodbye Warriors if that happened. <laughs> that, yeah, no kidding. Like that's how you yeah. beat the Warriors right there. Because they're all big. They're all Kawhi's the shortest one. He's six seven. <laughs> yeah, that'd be absolutely ridiculous. And the the interesting thing about that is that you wouldn't be giving up anything on defense because Joel Embiid can guard just about anyone. He's in the he's in running for defensive player of the year. Ben yeah. Simmons obviously can guard anyone because he's seven feet tall. He can guard any guard. And then LeBron obviously when he chooses to can guard and then Kawhi Leonard can obviously guard as well. So that would be terrifying. Oh yeah. Yeah, where who where'd you see that? Uh like who wrote it? I, I can't remember. It was just it was in a video. It was it, I think maybe it was the jump on ESPN. Oh, okay. But um something like that. But um and then obviously I think at this point Kyle Korver will follow LeBron James wherever he goes because yeah. Kyle Korver is uh, LeBron James is how Kyle Korver is gonna extend his career. So Yeah, yeah um, funny how well that worked out for him. Well yeah, that that was just a spur of the moment thing at the trade lo- deadline. Yeah, yeah. First that kinda just happened last season. Um or was well, it last two, season? No, two years ago it was his first year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, because he was in the, yeah. So his, um, yeah, that came out of nowhere. I was kind of surprised because at the time, Atlanta was still sort of relevant, and he was one of Atlanta's players that had went to battle with Cleveland in the playoffs a couple times, so that was interesting. But Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, uh, actually, I don't know that much about the Heat this season. Uh, what's really been uh, holding them up? Uh, well, Goran Dragic was an all-star. He shouldn't have been, but he was. Um, he is a pretty good player. He's underrated. He averages about, I think, 17, 18 points. He's a pretty good three-point shooter. He can maybe five, six assists a game. So his steady play has been helping them out a lot. Hassan Whiteside's been injured, which is kind of oh, really? huh. one of the more interesting things because he's their best player, I think. But I think they sort of... Miami, is in, as a city and just as a team in general, I think they gained a lot of energy at the trade deadline when they got Dwayne Wade back. It was just really exciting for all of them to have him back. He's actually been playing really well, uh, playing really well off the bench for them. So, um, you know, I think they're one. Of, they're kind of like a uh, their team, sort of like you know all the other teams that are struggling in the Western Conference, where it's just or not all the other teams, but like you know a team similar to maybe like Utah and the Spurs, where you know they'll have good stretchers, bad stretchers, and they're sort of just carried by a bunch of role players and no significant star that's doing much. <clears throat> yeah, except lucky for them, they don't have to worry about not making the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, they they're not gonna they're they're pretty much. I think all the teams that are in the Eastern Conference playoffs are essentially a lock. Uh, I think now in the East, it's really just a matter of who gets what seed because Detroit's not gonna make it. They're six games best. Yeah, six game, six and a half games back. No, yeah, Charlotte's below that. So the Eastern playoffs is gonna be Miami, Milwaukee, Philadelphia, Indiana, Washington, Cleveland, Boston, Toronto. Um, but the interesting thing about it is that. Uh, Seeds four through eight are separated by three games, so um, there could be some some changing up of seeding. Oh, okay, cool. Uh, yeah, that's a really interesting statistic for the Rockets. That unlike the Cavs, their defense goes down as they go into the season. Oh yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, 
Uh, okay, so speaking of defense, uh, I know the Thunder are on a five-game winning streak. It looks like, aside from this uh, Raptors game, they've really bottled up the defense, and they are starting to figure out how to play that without uh, Roberson. Uh, where's that coming yeah. from? Uh, I would probably attribute almost all of it to Paul George and Stephen Adams, um, because Paul George, I think, remember in the All-Star special that we had, I said Paul George is my pick for becoming the defensive player of the year this season. Um, but uh, he has really been doing a good job on all the perimeter guys. Um, he had a little bit of a tough time today because DeMar DeRozan is extremely talented. But um, And Stephen Adams is a bruiser. He, he is... <laughs> he is willing to sort of do anything that needs to be done on the defensive end. So uh, I think they've just been playing extremely hard and, you know, they're, they're sort of carrying that defense right now. Obviously Russell Westbrook does too much or he tries to do a lot. So his defense doesn't really do that much, but uh, yeah, basically I would, I would just give it to Paul Jordan, and Steven Adams. They're sort of, they're a really good defensive tandem because Steven Adams can sort of guard anyone who's doing damage in the paint and down low. And then Paul George can, uh, get on to anyone who's playing well from the perimeter. So, yeah, definitely. I, I'm I'm really happy that we're watching this uh, Timberwolves Rockets game because I finally get to see what exactly makes the Timberwolves defense so bad. It se- it seems like they just don't work together. They don't communicate. It looks like because when I watch them, they just don't seem to talk to each other. There's a lot of looking around, expecting someone else to do something. Um, sort of similar to the Cleveland situation, but not as not nearly as bad because Cleveland really just doesn't do anything. Um, and also, I mean, I attribute it to a lack of having Jimmy Butler on the floor because well, yeah, when when Jimmy Butler plays, they play much much better defense. But on this alley oop that we're seeing right now to Capella, there's everyone's just kind of running around. So yeah, uh, so crap, I lost my train of thought. We're talking about defense. Yeah. And, uh, and also, you got to think it's just the scheme. Like The Rockets kind of do this to everybody with their uh, force-facing ability. Uh, yeah. Uh, Houston is a legitimate threat. Um, I know people keep bringing up the fact that uh, Harden and Chris Paul have failed to get it done in the playoffs. But yeah, but that's your only excuse at this point. Yeah, there's, there's really no other reason. Houston is a team that's perfectly built for the modern NBA. They're, yes. an, they're an ama- Oh, wow, that was a nice layup by Trevor Ariza. But... They're they're an amazing team. They have they're built perfectly. They have they're the only team in the NBA that has consistent high level all star caliber point guard play for forty eight minutes every game. They're the only team that can shoot as they have six to seven guys who can shoot threes, and then they have about one, two, three, four, maybe even five guys that can defend at a high level. They've got Chris Paul, Clint Capella, Trevor Ariza, PJ Tucker. And then Luke Mbamute, that's five right there off the top of my head. And then James Harden, I know, gets a lot of flack for being an awful defender, but he he's, you know, he's trying this season, and he's he's not great, but he's he's passable, like yeah. he's fine, um, and he's a good steals guy, so um, you know he can be disruptive. Uh, and uh, so, and on top of that, they're a very good rebounding team. They have inside defense, perimeter defense. They can shoot threes. They can play slow and they can play fast um this is an interesting stat i'm not sure if you've heard this but houston is the only team that's been on two 15 game winning streaks this season and in the first fifth in the first winning streak of 15 games they played at the fastest pace in the league and then <clears throat> on the second 15 game winning streak they played at the third slowest uh, oh. pace in the league so houston can really beat you both ways they can beat you if they play fast pace they can beat you if they pace play slow pace so regardless of what golden state wants to do to them in a series if golden state wants to play a lot of isolation if they want to go through kevin durant inside and mid-range 
Houston can match that perfectly, or if Golden State wants to speed up the tempo, shoot a bunch of threes, and you know have a game like Steph Curry, KD, and Clay, all of them going for like thirty or something like that. Houston, Houston probably would not be able to stop it if all three of them went for thirty. But regardless, if a lot of if they're shooting a bunch of threes, yeah, Houston can also compete with that because um, you know Houston doesn't have two guys who can go for thirty in one game. I don't think I don't think Chris Paul and James Harden will have combined for sixty points, but no. they have a bunch of guys that'll go for 10 probably and if you can get like you know six seven guys going for like 10 to 15 that's going to be amazing and then obviously Harden's going to have much more than that yeah and that stat is fascinating like I don't really care that they did it with the fastest pace in the league but the fact that they were able to do it with one of the, and one of the slowest is something I didn't realize that they could do this year and that's incredibly important yeah. because in the playoffs it slows down a ton and the fact that they're yeah. able to win like that is very telling yeah, yeah, um, and the one thing that one concern that I've uh, I've heard some people have about this team is that they're worried that in the playoffs James Harden won't be able to be nearly as effective in an isolation situation. But my response to that would be that's exactly the reason why they got Chris Paul because anytime that James Harden is having any trouble doing anything, he can literally just give it to Chris Paul. And the odds of you catching both of them having a game where they're unable to do anything, the odds of that are ridiculously slim. Um, it's sort of it's similar. It's to me, it's extremely because I think that the best, like the the best duo in the NBA, just in terms of superstar talent, it goes Kevin Durant and Steph Curry, and then after that, I would give it to James Harden and Chris Paul because I mean the odds of KD and Steph both having a really awful night are extremely slim, yeah. which is why they win so much. And to me, like this would be the same thing because Chris Paul. <laughs> The myth of him being a choker is a little bit ridiculous because Chris Paul has lost a lot of series, but he's never been on the best team in those series. Um, uh, and a lot of the time, his teams have just been decimated by injuries. It really hasn't been him failing to have a good game, really. Um, so yeah. I have faith that this year, you know, this team will be able to do. And then uh, this is an, another player that's not really talked about enough on Houston is Eric Gordon. Even if James Harden is off, Eric Gordon can probably give you 25, 26 points. Um, he's had a couple 30-point games this year, I think. So, And he's the sixth man of the year from last year, and he's probably going to be one of the players in uh, conversations to win it again this year. So Houston, I think, has a bunch of weapons. Um, and if they get down to a tough situation in the clutch, they also have ISO Joe, Joe Johnson. Yeah. Um, he hit a game-winner in the playoffs last season. So... Um, he, he made a buzzer-beating shot in the playoffs to win game one of their series against the Clippers last year when he was on the Jazz. So, you know, Houston's got a lot of pieces. Uh, I'm really excited to see what they can do this year. Yeah, and at this point, I think the only way that they underperform is Chris Paul gets injured and then Harden chokes. But if, yeah. if they're both healthy, they the sky's the limit. Do you think yeah. uh, Chris Paul would be satisfied with taking the Warriors to seven in the conference final? I don't think so. I think Chris Paul is going to be one of those players who he's he he would probably end up as being like the Charles Barkley of this generation, where it's like yeah. he was the Except most talented player to not win a championship. Because um, you know, when I look at this generation, when I look at this era, like just in terms of who the players have been since the two thousands, I can't think of a better player that doesn't have a championship um, off the top of my head, at least because. Steve Nash is great, but he I don't think he's, Steve no Chris Nash, Paul. Steve, he's not Chris Paul. He's not nearly as good a defender, yeah. uh, not as good a rebounder. Um, not as good and, on offense, frankly. 
Yeah, he's really just, he's not even that good of a scorer. Steve Nash was probably just a little bit fancier of a passer. But I think uh, Chris Paul, an underrated part of his game is his assist-to-turnover ratio is ridiculous. Like, oh, yeah. he, he's been one of the only players, he's had, like, multiple, multiple seasons where he's averaged, like, nine or ten assists, but only averaged two turnovers. Yeah, I think this season he might even be averaging less than two turnovers because he's been able to share ball handling, too, just with James Harden. Um, but I, I really hope that Chris Paul wins a championship because if I don't, I think if he doesn't this year, his career is probably going to resort to being, you know, he's probably going to be signing one two-year deals with multiple teams to see if he can win one. Um, but I, I, Chris Paul's not going to go to Golden State. I don't. No, see he, definitely not. He's extremely, he's extremely competitive, and just his rivalry with them while he was on the Clippers is probably, um, you know, still obviously in his head. So, yeah, uh, I don't think he'll. I think he'll look at. Basically, if they lose in seven to Golden State, I think he has a much better chance of staying in Houston because in the twenty in this coming off season, he can just any pitch to the free agent that they try and get will just be we were literally one game away from being champions. Like if we had beaten Golden State, we definitely would have beaten whoever came out of the East because the you know the gap is obviously very very high. So you know if if they get to seven, I think there's a higher chance he stays there, but I don't think he'll be satisfied necessarily. Yeah, and the biggest thing right now for me is just get him to the conference final. Like it's ridiculous that he's still yeah he's never been yeah yeah the only two uh, the only two franchises in the league that have not been to the conference finals since two thousand are the New Orleans Pelicans slash New Orleans Hornets and then who get a pass Los Angeles and the Los Angeles Clippers and those are the two teams that Chris Chris Paul has played for his entire career uh, prior to this season so um, yeah. I think it's basically given that he's probably going to get to the conference finals this year, unless, of course, disaster <laughs> strikes. Yeah, if if there's some disaster and like Kawhi comes back, and then the Spurs get the eighth seed, and then they get matched up with Houston, and then Houston has the worst meltdown, losing in like six games to the eighth seeded Spurs, then that's just going to be then Chris Paul's gone, and they're oh, going to yeah. have to rethink this whole thing, and James Harden's never going to be looked at the same way, um, which is unfortunate, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, that, that's that's what's going to happen. Um, if they lose to the eight seed as Spurs, if that happens, um, you know, that's, that's going to be disappointing. Um, yeah. but while, while that said, I like, it, it's weird because I feel like I, it, it's weird because like, if you could follow this, like, I think that, I think San Antonio has a chance to beat Houston and yeah. Houston has a chance to beat Golden State, but I don't think San Antonio has a chance to beat Golden State because, I just feel like even though they had the 23-point lead in Game 1 of the Western Conference Finals last year, I really don't think San Antonio is going to win that series based just on firepower and how well Golden State was playing. Because at the end of the day, San Antonio is never going to be able to match their firepower in terms of scoring. Especially uh, over a five, like a seven-game series. Yeah, like San Antonio probably could get two, maybe even three games off of them. But just in a seven-game series, uh, there's I don't think that there's a way that any team really other than Houston simply because of firepower would be able to match them bucket for bucket. So um, defensively, you know, they could play with them all game long, but at the end of the day, it's going to come down to having to guard like the, 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 both of the teams, San Antonio and Golden State play elite defense. But the fact is that Golden State is going to be playing that elite defense on much lesser talent. Um, and, you know, Kev, uh, Kawhi Leonard's never had a serious, uh, he, since him and Kevin Durant have both really been the top among the top three players in the league, they've uh, the last series they played was in 2016. But for some, I remember watching that series, and for some reason, Kawhi Leonard really wasn't even guarding Kevin Durant that much. I'm not sure why that was, but yeah. um, that was 
Tim Duncan was still playing at the time. It was weird. They were playing Kevin Durant big, so Tim Duncan was guarding Kevin Durant a lot, and then Kevin Durant was or Tim Duncan was sort of playing out to like the key area, and Kevin Durant was shooting a lot of mid range jumpers. It was very strange why they didn't have Kawhi on him, but um, maybe it was just because he was Pop was probably preserving Kawhi for offense because um, yeah, they just didn't have anything yeah. else. Yeah, this was in 2016 anyway, but basically in the last two, you know, we've never really seen a matchup, I think, where Kawhi and Kevin Durant are really, really going at it. But at the end of the day, just because Kevin Durant is more talented offensively, I feel like Kevin Durant would be able to give Kawhi more fits defensively than the other way around. Yeah, I never realized those uh, Olympic gold medals are that yellow. Oh, <laughs> yeah, they just uh, brought out the Olympic curling team. I uh, Originally, I didn't even realize those were brooms. I thought they were actually like trying to sweep some water off the ground. I'm like, holy crap, that's a lot of water. But Yeah. yeah. yeah so uh, definitely on that Kawhi thing. And it is a weird triangle where you know, the Spurs could beat the Rockets, uh, but they couldn't beat the Warriors. And then it's, you know, obviously Warriors could lose to the Rockets. But And at first I did think it was weird. But yeah, I agree with you on the firepower thing. The Spurs just do not have enough to... In the in the basket to uh, combat it, and I think this uh, year will be really telling to see if the if the Spurs can stand uh, pat to pat with them, and yep. that's why I really want Kawhi back because I feel like it's just a lost year for the Spurs if we can't get him. See, the thing is that if the Spurs move up to six and they get a first round matchup with Portland, I think that'll be extremely interesting because. Let's face it, I hate to say this about Portland, but Portland. Portland yeah. is not beating Houston or Golden State. Portland no. is great, but at the end of the day, they have two really good scorers and not much else. Um, they don't really have any lockdown defenders. They don't. They really just don't have that much. Portland is one piece away. They're one. The, Portland really is one of those teams that's one piece away. They, they need. They need one more um, really, really good player before to take. You know, before you can take them seriously as contenders. But um, I'm sorry <laughs> to say it to all of Rip City, but. I am I am sleeping on Portland. <laughs> Sorry, I don't think Portland is going to be able to do much. So, if the Spurs beat Portland in the first round, if they're able to move up to six, they beat Portland in the first round, and then they get a second round matchup. So three six plays uh, two seven. So that would give us a second round matchup between Golden State and uh, San Antonio, and I think that would be really interesting because if San Antonio can take Golden State to maybe six games in a really competitive, tough, hard-fought series, then I think it bangs up uh, Golden State uh, going into the conference finals against Houston, and Houston I think has a really, really good shot of uh, beating um, of beating a team you know that's coming off a six-game series with the Spurs. Because I think an underrated element of playoff basketball is the, the series that you play before really affects you. Because yeah. I think I think we saw it in the comp, in the NBA Finals in 2016 when the Warriors lost to uh, Cleveland. It, that I think a lot of it had to do with a lot of fatigue because they had to play a really hard fought seven game series against Oklahoma City where they wouldn't have even made the NBA Finals if Clay Thompson didn't have that one off game in Game Six. So. Um, <laughs> And then obviously they've had extremely easy roads in the Western Conference in 2015 and 2017, both times when they won the championship. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And it's something that's just not looked at enough is uh, what the road that you had to go on to get to the actual finals. And yeah, people that argue, oh, it was an injury to Draymond or oh, uh, Andrew Bogut was out for a game. Well, that has a lot to do with how fatigued you were heading into the games. Honestly, my, my only thing is like... It, 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 <laughs> If you if you're gonna use the Draymond excuse, it's like okay. So the one game that LeBron, the, the one game that Draymond was not there in Game Five, 
LeBron James scored 41 points. Yeah. Game six, very next game, he's back. Draymond Green is back, and LeBron scores 41 points again. So, I mean, you can't really say, like, if he scored the exact same amount of points and his primary defender was Draymond Green, and there was no drop-off, I mean, who's to say that if Draymond Green was there, LeBron wouldn't score 41 points? I feel like that's just a lot of people who are trying to take away what Cleveland accomplished, um, and which I think is a little bit unfair. And uh, to me, it's like Skip Bayless tried to do this. Uh-huh. You cannot... You I thought we were going to avoid his name. Oh, no. Skip Bayless tried to do this, and I remember I remember watching this clip, and he was like, I, I hate when people, when when you say like, it's like you don't talk about a player for an entire year. You don't you won't, you don't mention him at all as being a contributing factor in a series or in the playoffs or even in the regular season. But then as soon as that player's gone, everyone starts to toot his horn like, "Oh my god, it's it's such a huge loss." Like you would have been talking about his value prior to that if he really was that huge of a loss because Skip Bayless said if Andrew Bogut had been there in game 7 or whatever game he missed, like there's no way that Cleveland would have won because they wouldn't have been able to get to the rim. LeBron wouldn't be able to finish over Andrew Bogut. <laughs> And that's just a bunch of stupid stuff. That's just dumb. So. Yeah, definitely. And uh, for all these people that act like injuries don't always happen in the NBA playoffs and there isn't always a team in the finals that's hampered by some injury to a star player and like just acting like, oh, it's the first time ever that a team uh, probably wouldn't have won the NBA finals if, ever, if both teams were completely healthy. That's just being ridiculous. And that's not looking at the history of the thing. Golden State has had help because of injuries in the past so many times. Last season, every playoff series they played other than Cleveland had an injured starter in the Western Conference. In the season before, there was some injury to some player on Houston and to Portland. And then in the year before, um, someone was injured in the Chris Paul in the Clippers series. Yeah. Someone was injured in the Grizzlies series. New Orleans is always having injuries to their perimeter players and stuff. So that happened as well. Golden State has been one of the more, they've been so lucky with injuries the past three seasons. So the fact that it's happening to them this season, I think, you know, it's just sort of like, that's what happens in the NBA. Like every team at some point faces injuries. Um, I just really hope that Cle- uh, Houston stays lucky this season. Yeah. It's the great equalizer. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's injuries for you. Uh, so that basically takes us through the entire uh, Western Conference. I don't think we have to really talk about the Pelicans. They're a pretty prototypical eight seed. It looks like they're probably going to get yep. it. It's going to be a similar situation to the 2015 playoffs where they got knocked out in yeah. four games by the Warriors. Yeah, I'm actually watching a game on my TV right now. I've got Boston and New Orleans. Uh, they're they're up by four against the Celtics. So, you know. <laughs> Anthony, Anthony Anthony Davis is playing right now. He's playing really well, so they'll probably be able to get some stuff done. All right, great. And, yeah. And I think also, this is really interesting as well. Uh, if, if, if New Orleans stays at seven and New Orleans plays Golden State in round one, Anthony Davis can probably get a game off of them and give them a lot of trouble because Anthony Davis is he's unguardable for the Warriors. There's no one on the Warriors who could stop Anthony Davis. And if they stay at seven, they could probably get a game off of Golden State, I think, you know, maybe like a game three or game four. Um, and just Anthony Davis could really just hammer them inside, give them a lot of trouble. And then obviously San Antonio, if, they, if they're at six, I think they'll be Portland. So Golden State's road to the NBA Finals could be New Orleans Pelicans, San Antonio Spurs, Houston Rockets, which that would be extremely difficult. That's a gauntlet. That's really tough. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I, I've never really tried that. How, how is it, watching two games at once? Oh, it's fine. I mean, I'm just sort of kind of glancing. Oh, okay. Yeah, it, I mean, it's 
because this one's the, the the one that you and I are watching the Minnesota and Rockets this twenty point game almost, and then this this New Orleans game is about five points. Oh, so you know, I, I didn't even notice that. Yeah, look yeah. at that, it is blowout. And now it's a real yeah. big blowout. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, but Ryan I mean, yeah, Ryan Anderson with a very interesting looking jump shot, but yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, because I always see the sports offerings for like a NBA League Pass and like a NFL Game Pass, where like they have like four games going on at once, and like you always see those control rooms where there's like sixteen games on the screen. And, like I just never understand that because I can barely focus on one game. But yeah, yeah. I guess uh, if you're not paying attention, yeah. Oh, that's another free. Jeez, uh, the Timberwolves are falling apart here. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. There's su- there's such a big difference between the one and two seed in the West and then like the free for ten seeds. Yeah, it's really it's really strange actually. Um, but Minnesota, I think you know, uh, I think it, they can probably get to the second round if Jimmy Butler is healthy. So yeah, definitely. Uh, it's just whenever they run into the Rockets Warriors, but uh, it's because I really think, um, I think uh, Oklahoma City will probably lose in the first round. Yeah. This season, so. they they deserve it. They haven't been very good, and like they that Carmelo Anthony trade really blew up in their face. And I mean, it's frankly there was fu- no reason to acquire him. Absolutely, there was no you, acquire you know what it was? It was Sam Presti being like, "Oh, I want a big free too." And like, it yeah, was just, yeah, yeah, he's not a big free player anymore. No, Stephen Adams is good. such a Stephen Adams is so good. Stephen Adams had twenty five points today. If you feed Stephen Adams properly and you play him in the pick and roll extremely well, Stephen Adams can be the third piece to your big three. He's amazing, and he's a he's a two way player. All Carmelo Anthony does is he, he stops the ball and he, he tries and hits post fades and he does it inefficiently. He does it about 40% of the time and he's shooting like 34% from three this season. So he's not even doing that well. And I mean, there's just, there was no reason to like, honestly, at this point, the only reason that they have Carmelo Anthony is so that they can hope that in a playoff game, he goes off for one game and wins them one game. Yeah. And that's it. And, and like, that's a slim chance too. Yeah. And like the, the whole thing was just like, they, Oh my gosh! Uh, like they, he just, uh, like they, is, people like to say that he's a good scorer, but he's not even a good scorer at this point. I'm, I'm so glad he didn't go to Houston. I think he would have messed up a lot of things. Oh yeah, like he would have just taken up space, and like he would have been complaining about not getting enough playing time because you know, uh, yeah, that uh, whatever, uh, Dan Tony would not have been giving no, him the minutes. Trevor, yeah, because Trevor Ariza is an amazing. He he fits the system perfectly because he's a three and D player. He takes so much pressure off of Harden, and if Carmelo Anthony was starting over uh trevor reza this team would just not even be the same so um yeah there's there's no houston is also carmelo anthony i feel like another reason that the rockets didn't pursue him that heavily was because <laughs> yes they're smart. He, basically, he, he go he goes against their analytics completely because obviously houston prefers three over two and carmelo anthony is like a basically a mid-range only kind of player so yeah and i have so much respect for uh, daryl Morey in that respect and i was listening to uh the lab today you know he has a little uh uh, preparation for uh, the podcast and uh, something they were talking about with uh, David uh, David Griffith, uh, you know the you know, former Cavs GM, was just how just how lucky the Rockets have been to have a, a a coach that's on board with analytics, a GM that thinks exactly the same as the coach, and he's on board with it, an owner that is super on board with just letting the GM and the head coach do whatever they want and use as much money as they want to. And then having a star player that's also willing to do what the coach says and has it plays the game the way that D'Antoni yep. likes it. And then acquiring a free agent who's willing to buy into all of that. Yeah, well, yeah, they, just everything has gone perfectly for them. And a lot of the yeah. arguments for why they're the model for how 
uh, how to win in the NBA without tanking. Well, they needed a lot of things to go right to have yeah. a, a system like that work. The, Houston, oh, I think it, Ryan Anderson. They, they're... Okay, Ryan Anderson can actually knock down from very deep. Yes, he's the firepower that we're talking about. <laughs> he, he really is. He, he is. He's no use on an NBA floor other than the fact that he can shoot the three. Yeah. And he, he the fact that he's on this team is... is <laughs> wow. But... <laughs> Anyways, um, yeah, I, Houston is, they're one of the more interesting, I love them in the NBA, like they're, the fact that they kind of came out of nowhere, because last year they were a three seed and everyone was really impressed, but it, they really hadn't broken out yet, because I think people still doubted their ability, because prior to that in 2016, they were the eighth seed, and then the year before they lost in the conference finals, and you know, that doubt was sort of proven, so, you know, I, I kind of like what Houston uh, has done, I really appreciate uh, the fact that they're they've really emerged as a third contender because it's really only been Golden State and Cleveland the past two years. So, Yeah, definitely. Uh, that's, that's pretty much all in the Western Conference, and then the only thing left in the Eastern Conference has just been the Raptors starting to pull away for the first seed. Do you think, yeah. they, do you think they have much of a chance against uh, these uh, you know, like bottom four teams in the East, aside from the 76ers? Who, Toronto? Uh, yeah. Oh yeah, I think Toronto will definitely. I think Toronto will make it to the conference finals. Um, I, I think that Toronto is gonna wipe the floor with Boston. Um, Boston is decimated with injuries. They don't have Marcus Smart. They lost Daniel Tice for the season. Kyrie Irving is battling knee soreness. He's probably. I've heard a. I, I read somewhere that he might sit out for the rest of the regular season. Um, that's not good because yeah, then when he gets really to the playoffs, it's and it's a knee injury, so he that means that he's not going to be able. He's knee soreness that he's battling. He's been talking about probably having surgery in the off season to repair it because it's the kneecap that he broke a few years ago. It'd be arthroscopic Ooh, surgery, so bad. you know it wouldn't be that big of a deal. But at the end of the day, still having surgery, so because of knee soreness, that obviously means that he hasn't been practicing on that leg. It means he hasn't been you know keeping up with cardio. So if you rest Kyrie Irving for the rest of the regular season and then you play him in the playoffs, he's probably not going to be in game shape. He's probably going to have some rust. So, you know, Boston Boston is probably the team that's most susceptible to losing in the first round, but Boston will probably make it to the second round, lose to um, Cleveland or Toronto, and then I think we'll probably get a Cleveland-Toronto West, uh, Eastern Conference Finals. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, Toronto, I think, is they're the only team in the... Golden State has slipped on defense a little bit, so Toronto is now the only team in the NBA that's top five in offense and defense. Uh, they're a two-way team. Their bench is amazing. The only the only concern I had with Toronto really is that uh, I, uh, because your rotations have to get much shorter in the playoffs, I'm not sure how much of a factor their bench is going to be able to be. And also, Demar Derozan three point shooting is still a worry to me. Yeah, my my only concern is just how are they going to look in the playoffs? If they look fine in the first round and like the Kyle Lowry is playing at his normal rate, and like they're just yeah. uh, playing at a similar uh, pace to how they're playing right now, I, I, they're going to the Eastern Conference Finals. But if they look like how they have every year so far where they're they just take a big step yeah. back and they barely eke out of the first round that's not a good sign yeah honestly i think the the, the best thing toronto's can do is they should get to the conference finals convincingly like they should yeah. get there with like a four game like they should sweep their first round matchup and then go for like either a really a five game series against their second oh. round matchup or like a really convincing six game series or you know they they really should try and get to the conference finals to you know at least instill a little bit of worry in cleveland that like oh this toronto team might be a little bit different because i mean even last year they were an extremely good team they were, had the same record as cleveland but they got swept because they barely made it out of the first round against milwaukee yeah um, and that, so, that was exactly what was thinking of right there yeah 
Um, but Toronto, you know, I mean, they're going to be a 61 win team. So, you know, at the end, honestly, I feel like it's a little bit, it, it might, it, I'll feel really bad for them if it ends up being a, uh, like a 20, 2015 Atlanta Hawks thing where they win 60 games just for LeBron to sweep them in the conference finals. But yeah, I don't, I don't think so. Cause they, and it seems like they've been progressing this entire time, but yeah. Yeah. I don't know, but I, I think Toronto, honestly, if, if you catch, Le, if you catch Cleveland, like if Cleveland does not get their defense together, I won't be surprised if Toronto makes it to the NBA Finals. I don't think they will because obviously playoff LeBron is just a completely different player than regular season LeBron because he steps it up defensively and just he plays with so much more care and he doesn't do nearly as much experimenting as he does in the regular season. Uh, he kind of just does everything that needs to be done to win. So LeBron James, is a, I think he's at that point in his career where he doesn't really deserve to be gauged before April because he, I mean. He's basically made it clear to this point that he really kind of just uses the regular season to prepare for the playoffs and just to pace himself. Yeah. So, um, so I mean, LeBron James is probably going to become a really, 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 really amazing again when the playoffs roll around. He's probably going to step it up defensively too, because um, you know LeBron he always communicates defensively, and any time that LeBron looks really engaged, their defense looks way, way better because he's the anchor of the defense. You know, like he tells people where to go, he communicates, he tells people when to switch, he comes over for rotations, he tells people when to help. Like, so obviously he's going to do that in the playoffs. So uh, I'm not counting Cleveland out at all, but it, you know, if for some reason LeBron just kind of doesn't want another Finals loss or something like that. <laughs> Um, yeah. You know, whatever it is, whatever it may be, uh, I think the best option for LeBron is, you know, I, I think that they're still the favorite in the East, even though Toronto's playing really well. Yeah, and something that he's definitely going to have to do this season is turn it on at least by the second round, because I know last year he you know, basically coasted through the Pacers series and then the second round yeah. matchup, so he's going to have to turn it on a little earlier. But basically, LeBron, I don't think, was even trying in the Eastern Conference until they lost that one game to Boston. Yeah. Like, he, he he wiped the floor with Indiana. He wiped the floor with Toronto, and then he was they beat the Celtics in Game One of that series. I think by like almost forty points, yeah. and Boston only scored like seventy five points, um, or something like that. It was some really low yeah. number. But, but then Isaiah Thomas got hurt. Yeah, Isaiah Thomas got hurt, and then they won that one game where Avery Bradley hit the game winner. And then after that, LeBron was like, "All right, okay, relax. That's enough." Um, so, um, but yeah. Um, the, also, the, another concern I have with Cleveland, I wanted to bring this up when we were talking about them earlier, is uh, I'm a little concerned with the way that Jordan Clarkson is playing because he really seems to think that he's like Kobe Bryant. Like he Uh-oh. he plays he plays so much isolation and he just kind of like he dribbles the ball so much and then he'll pull up for a reckless shot. He doesn't even stand still when he's when he gets the ball for a transition three. He doesn't even stand still. Like he shoots the ball while he's still leaning forward. Uh, so I hope Jordan Clarkson gets himself under control because. Uh, I, I really, I would really like for all of Cleveland's role players to actually play their roles properly instead of trying to be bigger than they are. Um, but you know, other than Cleveland's defense is a concern, but overall, it's just their their defense and their chemistry. I think they'll probably start to build their chemistry properly when Kevin Love's comes back because I feel like maybe to a degree in Cleveland, Toronto, and LeBron are sort of like, what's the point in building chemistry if we're just going to have to build it again when Kevin Love comes back? So that's maybe they're just holding that's, off. But I, I don't think horrible, that's the best strategy. But yeah. it's a horrible strategy. But it's, I mean, I, I'm just saying what I think they might be doing. Yeah, yeah. If I was that, what I would do, what I would do is I would I would put a lineup out there that I know like I would put out the players that I know I'm going to play with Kevin Love. So I would put like yeah. George Hill, Rodney Hood, LeBron James, and Larry Nance, and then I would put in Chetty Osman or Jeff Green in where you would put Kevin Love and just play your schemes as though Jeff Green is Kevin Love. You know, obviously the skill set isn't the same, but 
rather than being a you know a shooting rebounder like Kevin Love is, Jeff Green can be a slashing rebounder. So they should probably start doing that now, um, because if they're to do that, I think that's probably the best lineup that they can do to hold themselves over until Kevin Love gets back, because they'll be a really good defensively. Because Jeff Green's a good defender, Nance can defend. LeBron, when he wants to, can defend. George Hill can defend. And then, in theory, Rodney should be able to defend because he's 6'8". So. Yeah, and that's definitely what they need to be doing. They need to just treat Kevin Love come back, coming back as if like they just brought in a new player from a trade. But that is not what they're doing right now. Like They're still, <laughs> yeah. they're still trying to like feel out in like halfway through March, which is you know, a little ridiculous at this point. I, I mean, at the end of the day, though, Kevin Love is not going to be a difficult player to integrate because he's a catch-and-shoot player primarily. Uh, it's sort of just a matter of how Kevin Love will play, I guess, because, I mean, LeBron at this point is sort of doing absolutely everything on his own, even when he's having absolutely phenomenal games. Cleveland is just unable to do anything to help him. Um, <clears throat> I was extremely disappointed in the way the other Cavs played in the in the Portland Trailblazers game because LeBron put them in LeBron put them in a fantastic position to win that game. Uh, they were down three with like five minutes left, but then Jordan Clarkson took a, he took consecutive reckless shots that just clanked. And then they ended up losing the game because Portland scored off of both of those misses. So um, I just hope that the team around LeBron sums it up. Um, but at the same time, if LeBron is to lose in the playoffs, I would I would rather he lose. In the I, I think the the loss that he should take if he loses is a loss to Toronto in the conference finals because if he loses to Kyrie in the second round, it's going to look like Kyrie's decision to make the trade is validated and it'll make LeBron look really bad. And then if he he loses in the first round, that'll end his streak of never losing in the first round because LeBron LeBron James never lost in the first round. No, and he shouldn't. Like, this Celtics team has not been as good as uh, perpetrated. And, like, at this point, do you think it would be even worth bringing Gordon Hayward back if he was healthy? Oh, he's yeah, uh, Brad Stevens already ruled him out for the rest of the season. Oh, okay, I didn't see that. Yeah, he, he's he's not even even if he was, I don't think there'd be a point because like at this everyone on the roster is already injured anyway, so it's not like and they're like unless Toronto falls off, there's no way that Boston is going to get the one seat, so um, there wouldn't be a point even if he could. Yeah, definitely. So I I think that wraps up uh, most of the stuff going on in the in, in the NBA. I'm just gonna scroll through the news right now, see if anything big happened. Uh um yeah we can talk about this we we never mentioned this uh do you think that there's anything wrong with the refs this year I I keep hearing about players complaining about it and obviously um, the writers looking for some problem be like oh are the refs horrible we're seeing a lot of technical fouls they, uh they before the All Star break I would say yes there was a problem but um the players association and the referees association met at the All Star break to air out some of the differences and uh, di- disagreements and stuff so um since the All Star break I think the officiating has been fine um the weird thing about it, refs have just I feel like they, they've just been taking a lot less crap from the players this year um they've been just they've been more willing to call technical fouls when they feel like a player is being rude to them and stuff so and honestly I feel like that's okay because I, I'm tired of players like Draymond Green and you know you know even demarcus cousins and like play even players that i like like i hate when players just yell at the refs and then they get upset with them when the ref gives them a technical foul like oh that was a really nice yeah yeah, crawford just got oh wow (laughs) oh wow but um he didn't know what was going on that was some chris ball magic oh my god it's 46 to 70 but um anyways uh yeah as i was saying uh i hate when players yell at the referees and then get upset when they get called for a technical foul like if, if you want if you don't have a problem with the referee then do it like Kawhi leonard does uh Kawhi leonard i think only has like one or two technical fouls in his entire career um so just don't yell at the referees but just talk to them and then they'll be more 
you know, they'll be more receptive to what you're saying to them. So, oh, definitely. Um, I, I don't really think it's an issue. I think it's just been overblown. Uh, the referees have they, they, there have been some really bad calls this season, but I mean, there always are. So it's not really that big a deal. Yeah, and I almost feel like it's just the players looking for something to yell at because, like, it, it, in the past couple couple years, you'll see them complain about, oh, the hackashack is getting out of control, or I don't really know yeah. what they were complaining about last year. Maybe. I, I, yeah, I think it's a little bit ridiculous that they the NBA even made a rule to combat Hackershack because yeah, I still how, haven't gotten over that. Like, how how can you make a rule in the NBA which has however many like five hundred eighteen players? How can you make a rule that only really like that only, like it benefits only like maybe three five three to five guys? Like it benefits Andre Drummond, DeAndre Jordan, Clint Capella. Uh, and just any other center who's not good at shooting free throws. Like, it really doesn't benefit anyone other than them. I, I, I feel like they just had to do it, though, because they were running into a situation where it, it was almost becoming like baseball with how much the play was being stopped because of it, and it was just making the product worse. But, yeah, in an ideal world where you don't have to worry about something like that, you shouldn't uh, get rid of a rule like that. I mean, or I mean, or you could just train your players to shoot free throws. I like mean, I, mean, I mean, yeah, but... There's always, there's always going to be a new player that's bad at free throws. Well, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Just Lonzo never... Ball. They're playing hack Alonzo now. Because Alonzo yeah. Ball is a 48% free throw shooter. Wait, he's at 48? 48 for wow. Lonzo Ball. Yeah. That's bad. That's yeah. very bad. LeVar he's, needs a horrible, to be he's a horrible free throw shooter. LeVar needs to work on those free throws. Yeah, honestly. Okay. But it's weird because you know how Lonzo Ball has the funky jump shot? Yeah, I guess it comes up there. No, no, he he shoot from the free throw line. He shoots it in normal form. Oh, that's weird. So it's weird because he, he like he doesn't shoot the jump shot and the free throw the same way. He shoots the free throw conventionally, but then he shoots the jump shot unorthodox. So uh, he's he's having his jump shot is having some internal issues. Hmm. That's but, that's interesting. Yeah, it's weird, but it is what it is. Yeah, maybe you should try the, you know, the Under- Rick, the Rick Barry underhand. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean. I don't know why more players don't do that. I mean, some people some people say it's embarrassing, but at the end of the day, it's it's, it's, it's more it's less embarrassing than uh. I feel like it's embarrassing if you miss. Yeah. Oh wow! The breaking news: Texas A and M just defeated North Carolina. Huh. Okay. That's NCAA, but <laughs> yeah, just a tangent. But yeah. Anyways. Okay. Yeah. So uh, that's pretty much all that's going on in the news so i guess we can get into our uh, topic for today which is going to be uh, video games and sports how was nba 2k changed how we look at basketball so uh, i guess i'll start by asking uh, do you play 2k at all or have you ever oh yes i've been playing 2k since nba 2k 15 um and uh i mean the game at first when i started playing the game i was a huge fan of it um but I mean, in, like I, I loved. So basically, the way the reason that I started playing NBA at NBA Two K Fifteen was because so in the summer of uh, the summer of two thousand fifteen, um, I was fasting. I'm a Muslim, so I observe Ramadan. So I was fasting, and during the day, I needed uh, I needed some stuff to do and just to kind of pass the time until I could eat and drink. Yeah. So I downloaded uh, NBA. This was even, this was before I was even actually an NBA fan. Well, here, like, here, let me let me stop that. you there because I'm actually curious to know about this. Like I. No, I know, like, e- eating, it's not that big of a deal. I, I'll go, like, 9, day, 10, 11 hours, a day, like, in a day, not eat anything. But how, how's drinking for that entire time? Oh, it, not drinking anything is probably the most difficult part. You can't drink any, Like, you cannot drink or eat anything at all for 16 to 17 hours. So Yeah, and especially um, during the summer when, like, the sun's no, up forever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Okay. Um, yeah. So it, it, that, that that is very difficult, but I mean, you know, we, you push through. If you take, I mean, I sort of cheat the system a little bit where I stay up until like three, four o'clock, five o'clock when you're going to actually eat, and then I just sort of sleep then. So then when I wake up, I have you know less hours to wait until I can eat again. So, uh, but overall, yeah. Okay. So yeah, going back to what you were saying. But yeah, so this was even before I was an NBA fan. I started playing. I downloaded NBA 2K15 because you know everyone. Like, all my friends from, like, middle school were like, oh, dude, like, you don't follow any sports. So I was like, all right, whatever. So I decided to play this 2K game, and I really enjoyed it. Um, I loved the my career aspect of it when I first started playing. Uh, I, I, I remember this because this was before I knew anything about basketball, and this was in 2015. So oh, wow. I was, I was looking up stuff about uh, – um, I was looking stuff up about uh, uh, teams that I could join. So I decided to make a shooting guard, and I was a shooting guard, and then – it told me, as a shooting guard, I should go to the Thunder because, as a Thunder, I would play with Kevin Durant, who was on the Thunder at the time, and Russell Westbrook. So I joined the Thunder. You know, I was a three-point shooter, and my my you know my my career player was a three-point shooter, and you know it was a lot of fun. So I enjoyed that a lot. So I ended up getting NBA 2K16, and that was the year where they implemented uh, a different story mode and stuff. Um, but basically, you know, so I've played, I've had NBA 2K15, 16, 17, and now 18. Um, and while 2K is fun, uh, I just think that they need something new because the, the, the story modes are always just so stale and boring and like it, they don't, it, they're kind of cringy too. Like there's nothing that there's, there's really nothing to work for in the game either. It's like, if you pay money, you can upgrade your player and then you upgrade your player to being a certain way. And then there's nothing more to do in the story mode. The only thing that you can really do with your player is just go online and compete against a bunch of other people. But Obviously, if there's no reward for that, that's going to get boring. So, um, and 2K, it's sort of become almost like a pay-to-play game where you have to spend your money on virtual currency to even get very good at the game. Um, and then other aspects of the game, aside from the my career aspect, is like my team, which I think definitely needs a revamp. That hasn't been too interesting. My league, also kind of boring. You don't really do anything except for assign your rosters and then simulate the whole season. Huh. Uh, so 2K is fun when it, when it comes out at the beginning of the year. You get excited about the new features. You'll make your player. You'll do something different. But the whole game, in my opinion, really needs a rework from top to bottom where they just add a bunch of new stuff and storylines that are actually intriguing where one decision actually affects something. Because in the game as it is right now, basically you pick the team that you want to try out for. You build your player and then no matter what team you have, it ends up being the same story. So, yeah. So uh, that's that's a lot to uh, dig into. I, I guess I'll start at the uh, start from the top. So, what what exactly led you to uh, my career versus uh, like my league or uh, just uh, online play? Well, basically, um, when I started playing it, I like the coolest aspect to me was like, oh, like I can make an NBA player and play on a, a team. Like, you know, obviously everyone everyone has at some point had like, you know, whatever off dream about like, Oh, like it'd be so cool to play in the NBA. So you obviously get to see that. Like if you make an NBA player and then you get to, you get to choose his position, you get to choose his attributes, you get to choose what he looks like, all that stuff. So that just appealed the most to me because, you know, playing online was sort of just like, I was obviously, I wasn't any good at the game because I just picked it up. So I wasn't going to go get killed online. And then, uh, my team to me just didn't strike because it's like a card collecting game the way the style is. So yeah. you just kind of you pick cards and then you you grab uh, then like you pick up teams and then you have to slow or players and then you have to slowly assemble a team. So 
Yeah, no, that that makes sense. Uh, so, like, did you uh, design your player to like represent what you think you would be like in real life? Like, obviously not like you're eh, having all the ratings be at fifty, but like, oh, I know <laughs> when I play uh, basketball, I'm like really good at three point shooting. Not not me. I'm saying like a hypothetical sense of horrible at three yeah, point yeah. shooting. Or like, oh, I know I'm uh, good at post play. Like, did you do that, or were you just like, oh, it'd be cool to be a really good ball handler? I want that. Yeah, yeah, no, I did it more than the latter. I, I didn't do much of the, I didn't do much of the, um, the like I didn't design it how I would play. Like, I mean, you know, I'm I'm not really that good at basketball, but like when I play, like obviously I shoot mostly jump shots. I don't really go to the paint that much, but I didn't I didn't make a sharpshooter or anything like that. I, I made I just made a player who I thought would be the most fun to play with. Like I upgraded the player's playmaking ability so he could pass the ball really well, uh, mid range ability because I like pulling up in the mid range in the game, um, and then three point shoot and defense obviously like. I kind of just built the best player I thought possible for a shooting guard because that was the first player I made. But um, then the next year in 2K16, I uh, I ended up making a uh, what did I make? I made a six-seven point guard. And then the year after, the next year in 2K17, I also made a six-seven playmaking point guard. That was the year that they introduced uh, at, uh, archetypes where you basically chose what kind of player you want to be. So you could be a playmaker, sharpshooter, shot creator. Lockdown defender, uh, rebound, uh, glass cleaner, which is a rebounder, a post scorer, um, a paint protector, which is like you know a Ben Wallace type of player, and then a slasher, a player who strictly drives to the rim. So I ended up making a playmaking point guard, and that was a lot of fun. Um, you know, handling the ball, passing, and all that stuff is is it was kind of like playing with Steve Nash almost. So yeah. it was exciting to do that, but uh, the the game just like the game itself is fun but the problem with it is is that it doesn't keep your interest long enough for you to play it until the next game comes out because there's nothing intriguing about the story like in all the 2k games the story basically is you either you you have some sort of adversity you make it to the nba either through the draft or getting picked up uh from a tryout and then you just play in the nba and then you just play games like there's really nothing like you know it's not incorporated into the story that your goal is to win the championship. It's not incorporated into your story that, you know, you want to win the scoring title or you want to be the MVP or anything like that. Like none of that stuff is accounted for. So basically I think the way that the 2K could improve the game is to sort of based on the team that you go to in the game, like they should sort of have something with the team. Like if you go to a rebuilding team, then, you know, your goal should be to like make your teammates better and develop chemistry or like, if you go to like Cleveland or Golden State or San Antonio, your goal should be we're going to compete for a championship this year. Um, so that kind of thing. I just think that the game sort of needs to adapt a little bit more to how real life is because if you're just making a player and then you just play a bunch of games, that's going to get boring really quickly. Yeah, I can understand that. Uh, we'll get into that later. I just want to really see how how deep I can get with like what led you to choose the players that you did, like your kind of play style. So like what... Why, why did you originally go for a shooting guard? Was it just because it's more fun to score? Oh, um, the reason I went to shooting guard is because since I wasn't experienced at the game, I thought that, uh, like, again, at the time, I knew nothing about basketball. So um, I uh, I assumed that, uh, like, I, when I looked up the positions, uh, the, every, from everything that I was reading, it sounded like the most important position was a point guard. And I was like, oh, like I'm, I'm new to this game. I probably shouldn't be a point guard. Like the team probably shouldn't be relying on me. Um, so I just went with shooting guard because they're both guards. And I was like, oh, what's a shooting guard? So, <laughs> okay, yeah. Like I was completely new to basketball at this point. Like the the way that I initially learned about, like basically in terms of you know 
how I learned about basketball was basically I started playing 2K in 2015, and then I liked the game a lot. So as a result of liking the game, I was like, oh, maybe I'll watch basketball. So then the first NBA season that I watched was the 2015-2016 NBA season. Uh, where Cleveland won the championship. That was my first NBA season. So, I got you, and, and that's that's interesting because I I had thought you had said freshman year that like you had been watching it since like you were eight or something. But uh, I guess I just oh, no, no. yeah yeah that's probably about something else. But yeah, probably. So like, how far did you usually get in the career before you just got sick of playing games? I mean, honestly, I would simulate through. Mo- I would play a couple regular season games just to get my averages pretty nice, and then I would just because. Once you play a couple games, your averages, and then I simulated the entire regular season, and then I would just play through the playoffs to win a championship, and I would just sort of pile up career accolades, like two-time NBA champion, two-time scoring title, you know, MVP, all this stuff, so. Okay, gotcha. And uh, you obviously uh, prefer the my career with the story it is now. Uh, I mean, is, has it made that much of an improvement, and how is, like, the story once it gets past, like, the first season... <sighs> I mean, they're really, they don't continue the story after you get past your first season. It's like, you're just, you're, you're basically, it's, it's just too generic, I feel like, at this point. Um, I feel like my career is definitely the most, like, it's, it's the most explored part of the game because everyone likes to make their own player. Because then with that player, you go online and you play in the My Park and then, you know, Pro-Am, which is you assemble a team of multiple people and all that kind of stuff. So um, I just feel like, for players that don't like to play online as much, so like me personally, I don't play uh, my park or pro am that much. Um, occasionally, when I have a friend who wants to do it, you know, we'll go online and play a few games. But uh, for a player who mainly just kind of wants to be able to play a game as a player and have a good time doing it, it just gets too stale. So um, I, I don't think the story really has made that much improvement. Every year, it's just <laughs> it seems like every year it gets more corny. <laughs> um, like in uh, in NBA Two K Fifteen, the story is that. You're an undrafted player, so then you have to try out for a team on a 10-day contract, and then you get signed to it. And then after that story finishes, you just play in NBA games, and that's it. And then 2K16, you play eight games as a rookie, then your eight games are super scrutinized by the media, and then you have a best friend who's like acting out and stuff. And then once you get through those eight games, the story doesn't do anything. And then 2017, you have a teammate who's uh, – he was drafted – Lowly and like he was drafted low in the draft, so he's a little bit jealous of you. But then once you sort out all your issues, you guys dominate the league, and that's the story. And then this year in NBA 2K18, the story is that uh, you get picked up from a streetball tournament. The scout finds you, um, and then you just you after that sorted out, and you make it to the league. You're just a star player. So um, the story to me is just kind of new. It's it's new every year, but it's really not like anything exciting. So. Yeah. Speaking of exciting, are you seeing this halftime performance? This oh yeah. Ridiculous. Let me let me mute mine real quick. Sorry. Oh my goodness. This guy's like uh, I don't even know what's going on. He he like uh, set up like a giant uh, tripod where like he just stacked a bunch of these. Uh, I don't even know what it's, it would be like. It looks like a connects tower where that like goes up like yeah. twenty feet in the air and like he's just doing a handstand. <laughs> but yeah. yeah. Yeah, so like the story, I I was always hearing that they uh, made improvements, but I was never really into my career, so I never got a big chance to uh, uh, really yeah. check it out. I, I, I started with NBA 2K around, uh, ooh, top 10. We're going to have to go over this after it's all over, but uh, yeah. I, I started with NBA 2K uh, 13, and I really just stuck with it, to be honest. Uh, 
I, uh, cause like I know I, I've never liked having to just completely change all my strategies and uh, do it for new players. I, I like to just know which players I are good and like which ones are the really big, uh, draft, uh, steals and stuff. So yeah. I, I just did like a, my career up to, uh, like uh, game 66 and because I'm a nihilist, I, I like to uh, play every single thing possible. So I got yeah. like 66 games into his career and I kind of just got, uh, yeah, what's the word for it, uh, burnt out at that point. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what I feel yeah. like as well. And that was like no story. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and the story here is just kind of, they just hammer it in. Like, it's all just, and like, you can't even like, like, there's just no, it's just unrealistic too. Like, there's no actual adversity really. Like, it's just, if, if you're good enough to just, you can just set the difficulty really low and then you can score like 70 as a rookie. Yeah, and, like, that was another problem with me. I always had the difficulty at, like, the absolute max because I yeah. just want to kill myself, but, you know. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, for me, I always chose uh, power forwards for some reason. I, I I just like the position. I think it represents pretty well how I play. Like, I'm... Okay. Like I'm not that I'm not that tall by any means, but like I'm a pretty lanky guy, and I I'm pretty good at defense, and I usually yeah. just drive to the basket. But mm-hmm. yeah, so yeah. that that was always my thing, and I, it seems like everyone else is always really big on either doing the shooting guards or the point guards. But I was never really into yeah. that because I just I'm not good with free point shooting. Yeah, uh, I um, I mean I I make a like typically I make I make two players uh, for the my career. Like I make like a big man and a guard. Usually, just I mean, because at the end of the day, like if you since the, since the game gets so stale, it's helpful to have two players to kind of like change it up a little bit when you do get bored because yeah. like it's just a completely different thing. Like you know, as opposed to making plays on the perimeter and shooting and stuff, like you can be a big man and you can defend and then rebound and all that stuff. So yeah, but wh- whenever I play two uh, K, that was never something that I really did the my career. I was always really into doing the my league and like the my league. And like the yeah. my GM, because like I, I, I just love uh, treating it as if I'm the new GM of a team, and I could just redraft yeah. it and be like, oh, this is my team now. How, yeah, how does yeah. it look? And like, were you ever into that? Yeah. So I, I, um, once my career got way too boring for me, I played a lot of my GM, um, and I, uh, I've always, uh, I always pick the Celtics because the Celtics uh, have a bunch of assets in yeah. the game with the draft picks and stuff, and that was always how I did it too. Yeah, so basically I would trade the Celtics assets for a player, and then I would just build a super team, basically. <laughs> yeah, it's a good strategy. Okay, uh, we, we just finished the top 10 plays. So what do you think of the top 10 list? Oh, I like Jabari Parker's play and Lance Stevenson's play. <laughs> yeah, Lance I, Stevenson's was pretty cool. I don't know how I missed that LeBron dunk. And his beard looks fantastic now. It used to look kind of crappy, but now, now it just oh, looks yeah, awesome. Oh, yeah, he really grew it out. Yeah. Some uh, this one uh, NBA analyst, his name is uh, Colin Cowherd. He thinks that um, he thinks that LeBron's beard is a message to James Harden. <laughs> it's kind of wider than James Harden, but it's not as long. Yeah. Yeah. Good luck. Okay, so uh, with the with NBA Two K, uh, I'm absolutely with you on online play. It's something that I always want to get into, but I'm always too much of a cheapskate to actually. Uh, by uh, Xbox Live or a P- uh, whatever the PS4 equivalent is. Yeah, so, the PC so, and stuff in the game, yeah. Yeah, so like I never get into that. And like also, you just can't compete unless you buy stuff, and obviously I'm not going to do that. 
and uh, like yeah. also just card collecting i'm not really a fan of that i yeah i don't like the whole premise of uh you have to like uh what, what am i trying to say like the premise where you have to uh Dang, I lost it. Uh, but what I what I would like uh, on, online to play to be like is you get like a certain uh, overall that your team can have in total. Like they just sum up all the players on your team and their overall. Uh, mm -hmm. What I was trying to say was like you choose one team. Like oh, I'm it's the Cavaliers versus the Celtics or something. That's yeah. your online game. I don't like that. I, I I like it where you get to draft your own team still. But you just uh, set it up so that, like, you have a cap on, like, the amount of overall you can have, and you can just choose a bunch of players that all add up to that overall, and then that's your team. And I feel like that makes yeah. all the teams fairly even. It prioritizes you figuring out uh, draft steals and all that stuff, and I, I think that'd be a great system. Mm -hmm. Also, the thing about, uh, <clears throat> like, that I would prefer, really. So in 2016, I think, was the best 2K that I've played. So in 2016, you play three games in high school, and then based on the three games that you play in high school, uh, you get to choose a college that you want to play in the NCAA for. Yeah, I thought then, that was pretty cool. Yeah, so then, <clears throat> in, and then based on how you played in the first three games, uh, that would determine your draft stock for your first game in college, and then the rest of the games that you played in college determined where you would get drafted. So I think that what NBA 2K should, I think that they should really expand upon that idea, because I think one of the best, like, the best aspect of, in my opinion, like one of the coolest aspects about the NBA in general, even though you and I have talked about so much reform to it, is the NBA draft. Like, yeah. you know, you just get to watch it, see where a player gets picked. So, you know, and then even like, like the game, I don't think should decide for you that you want to be a one and done because, like, you know, what if you want to be like Steph Curry and play three years in college, or what if you want to be like Tim Duncan and play four years in college? Um, but obviously, you wouldn't have to play the whole year in college, like playing thirty-three college games. Like, you could just play like one, two, three, four. Oh, I want um, those thirty-three college games. <laughs> oh yeah well yeah you would love to but yeah I'm just change sure the options to. but yeah 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 um and then you know you could play like you know and then become a four-time ncaa champion become the only player ever to do that and then dominate the nba and then you know like something like that to cream where like you huh and cream didn't do that oh no i don't know if he did but yeah because he played under john wooden and they won like six in a row but yeah, maybe no, not. He, maybe he did. I'm not sure, but like in the modern NBA, I guess, yeah. like recently, no no player has ever won that many NCAA titles. So you know, it, basically, if you just to have more options and more freedom, and just an, a more of an interactive story where your decisions actually affect what you do, because like if I go to the if I go to the Cavs, and the main reason that I want to play for the Cavs is because I want to help LeBron James win a ring. Like that should be like a theme. Like you know what I'm saying? Like I just feel like or on another thing that they could do just to make it a little bit more interesting is so in in madden um for the madden story mode uh for your player you can choose um you can choose what you want it with what you want to be like you can choose do you want to be a first round draft pick do you want to be a mid-round draft pick or do you want to go undrafted and then based on those based on that choice you start off with different things like if you're a um if you're an undrafted player then your ceiling is a little bit higher because you know whatever and then if you're a first round draft pick you start off better but you know you there's basically upsides and downsides to everything that are all sort of make it equal so you actually have a choice to make rather than just i'm gonna become i'm gonna make a player i'm gonna get really good and i'm just gonna do what i want like it just gets too boring too quickly for me 100 percent. and like you just have to give as many options as you can to have your career be different and just make it so that there's an actual replayability to the game and i know that was something they were trying to go for with and like making a more diverse storyline going into the game, but it seems like they didn't succeed with that at all. And yeah, uh, uh, 
Well, I think I should just resort back to being like 2K16. Like, that was the best game. You're getting attacked by an animal? Oh, me? Sorry. Uh, don't worry about it. But uh, uh, Kareem, apparently he got screwed by I forgot about this uh, back in the early days of the NCAA when it was even more corrupt than it is today. They had yeah. a, a thing called the freshman rule where if you were a freshman, you could not play on the actual team. So, oh, what? Yeah, okay. I, basically, Dumb. like you were on like a, a freshman team. So the freshman team won the... Uh, actually, I have no clue if they won the national championship, but they probably did because the normal team won it that year. He wasn't on it, unfortunately, but the other three years he got the you know, championship. So you can say okay. he should have won all four years, but technically he didn't because he got screwed. Yeah, okay. Yeah, <clears throat> that makes sense. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, going off your point, just create more diverse uh, gameplay because if you want people actually replaying your game, you have to give them a reason to replay your game. And the biggest yeah. thing with that uh, college thing is I, I thought it was a fantastic addition, honestly. But I, I really like that they gave 10 options for colleges. And, heck, I would lo even love to see uh, even more. And even if they just wanted to, like, sign a licensing deal with, like, one conference and just have all the teams from that conference be options, I think that'd be a fantastic thing. Yeah, exactly. Because uh, it's weird how they changed it. Because, like, in 2K16, the teams were, like, it yeah. was uh yeah I can go down the list actually I have it in front of me the you had the Arizona Wildcats uh, Georgetown Hoyas the yeah. Kansas uh, Jayhawks the Louisville Cardinals the Michigan Wolverines Texas Longhorns UCLA Bruins Connecticut Huskies which is kind of a weird addition the Villanova yeah. Wild uh, Villanova Wildcats and Wisconsin Badgers yeah and then the next year they changed it to like Michigan State Georgetown uh, and a couple others but you know um. But yeah, I don't, I'm not sure why that happened, but at the end of the day, like, it'd just be cool, like, it, to, or, um, you know, this, like, every, like, basically the, 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 the way to get into the NBA, essentially, because of the one in general, is like, you play in high school, then you play in college, so if you want to make an NBA my career story, and it's really a, the player's career, then I think, I feel like the 2K16 did that properly, like, you should start, um, you, you should start as a, uh, a senior in high school to where you get to affect where you go to college, which thus affects where you get picked in the NBA. Yeah. But I feel like like it should be more challenging, I feel like. like You shouldn't just be able to play on rookie in four college games and then get picked number one overall in the draft. Like, that's just that's dumb. Yeah, and like something that the, uh, the MLB, uh, the show does, which I really like, is that if you're playing on a lower difficulty, they will change the the not the gameplay, but they will change like how they progress the story and be, and like you have to do a lot better if you actually want stuff to happen. Like exactly if, if like you're in like the should be. yeah, like if you're in the minor leagues or something, and you're hitting like 700 and you have like something like 200 home runs, they won't promote you. They'll be like, no, you got either turn up your difficulty or you got to do even more than that. And that's something that 2K needs to learn. Yeah, I mean they they did they took a small step this year where they they removed the rookie difficulty this uh, this year. Oh, cool! But um, still, like pro difficulty is not that challenging for players to pick up and learn. So yeah, and I don't even think I like them getting rid of the rookie difficulty. If you want to play on a low difficulty, you should be allowed to. It's just tailor the gameplay to that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I don't know. Two K to me is just they they become way too much about microtransactions to where like yeah. literally well, everything that's, that's costs, all gaming like, today. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, you know, 2K16, except for, except for I think, Nintendo. was the best 2K. But yeah, I mean, it is what it is, so. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and that's that's really all that can be said there. I 
have high. I don't have high hopes for that getting any better in the near future. Yeah, I mean it's it's going to stay the way it is probably, um, unless obviously people just simply stop buying the game, which they won't yeah, do. That's but that's not happening. Yeah, I, I think there. I wish that NBA Live would make a stronger push because NBA Live 18 actually did something very interesting that I liked. Um, their thing was that their story mode was that you're a you're a junior in um a sophomore in college and you tear your ACL um, and then you come back at your junior year of college and then you have an amazing season to where you're now projected to be a top pick in the NBA draft again and like everyone is calling you the comeback kid and basically um, you play in like the Drew League with like James Harden and DeMar DeRozan you play in like Venice Beach you play in a uh, Rugger Park in New York like you know basically you go around like the United States and you play a lot of street ball and then like you sort of develop a better reputation with some of the players and stuff. And then like the type of player that you can pick is also cool because it fits more to what the NBA is now. So like rather than being a point guard, shooting guard, small forward, power forward, or center, yeah. the way that they do it is you choose to either be a guard, a wing, or a big. Oh, great. Which is like, that, that is, that is how the NBA is now because like, you know, th- there's really no such thing as like a power forward necessarily anymore. Like, you know, so it's more just like if you're a big man, then you're a big man. You play either four or five. If, if you're like Steph Curry, like you can play with Sean Livingston with, you know, like it's not really like, like there's it's positionless basketball is more of a thing now because of everything that players can do. Like Ben Simmons, a seven feet tall playing point guard and Giannis plays point guard sometimes. So the way that they did that was cool. And then their archetype system was a lot cooler too, because like, it would give you, you could pick one, and then based on what you pick, you would have a specific skill that you would not be able to do unless you were that player. Um, so, like, if you're, uh, and every every archetype in NBA Live 18 represents a player in the NBA. So, basically, you could make a point shooter, which is Steph Curry. You could be a 3 and D player, which is Mike Conley. You could oh. be a uh, pure point guard, like Chris Paul, I believe. And then, like, if you're a, if you're a taller wing, then, like, you can be, like, a Clay Thompson type player, uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo type player, and all this stuff. And like the one thing I remember specifically from that is that if you chose to be a Giannis type player, then your your uh, archetype badge was called mismatch, huh. which meant that if you if because <laughs> he is a mismatch, so yeah. it and uh, the the basically what it meant was that if if you have that badge on, and then um, if you're playing a player, if your defender is smaller than you, then it gives you an advantage to your post moves and your ability to back them down. And then if you're being defended by someone bigger than you, it gives an increase to your ball handling, passing, and shooting ability. So you can, you know what I mean? Basically just giving you a mismatch because that's kind of how Giannis is. Yeah, so. and that, that is a good idea. The whole thing with the street basketball, I think that's an, only fun just because it's different from what the NBA 2K does. I, I think yeah. if they came out with the same thing next year, it'd get kind of stale. But yep. yeah, I love the fact that they did the guard wing center thing because absolutely in the NBA right now, that's how it works. Nobody's like, oh, are you a power forward? They don't care. Like you'll see LeBron lining up at small forward, power forward, sometimes even center. And it's yep. like one of the biggest things I really liked in 2K and it's probably my thing for like the biggest improvement in 2K over the years, aside from uh, my league adding expansion franchises, is uh, the fact that you can is set the player's reach when you're creating them. Oh, it, yeah. It, it, oh, the wingspan. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's absolutely ridiculous. So you would just, it, it, every time you wanted like a 6'9 player, they're 6'9 in reach. That's not realistic. And yeah. Like it, as far as they went with the reach, I think they should have gone even farther. I think it was like that you could increase it from like 
uh, and just a average wingspan of like the same as your height to like one that's like plus or minus four inches, I want to say. But yeah, I, they have four but, or five. Yeah, but how I want them to set it up is just look at every NBA player that's ever played or like which, however you want to look at it, like just players that you're sure this was their wingspan and just say for every height, what is the most that we've ever seen? And like you get like a moon, uh, Manu ball or something if you want to, or yeah, say like a Rudy Gobert seven two seven nine wingspan, and then yeah. what's the lowest that you ever see? And that's your range because that's realistic yeah. and that's how it should yeah. be. Also, another thing that I like going off of what you're saying, I think that they should also do that with heights because yes, like we've seen seven seven players in the NBA, so why is it that my player can only be seven three? Yeah, and we've seen we've seen five three Muggsy Bogues in the NBA, so why does my player have to be five seven? Yeah, like you know, like there should be a little bit more. Like, I'm not saying that you should allow us to make an eight foot NBA player, but Yao Ming, like Chinese NBA two K fans might want to play like Yao Ming, and yeah. they're like, what the heck? Yao Ming was seven six, not seven three. Like, what is this? Yeah, my my thing with the height though is I want them to actually like skip around on it if there hasn't been a player who's like five four or something, just so that it's realistic. Like I get that you could you could see someone in between, but yeah, like just show the fact that like it's not a normal one, like that it's an outlier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know you don't even have to go all the way to seven seven or five three. Like, but like I mean, you know, you could add like five six to seven four seven five because if you're, pl- I mean, like. You know, like it, it would just make you unique because not everyone's going to want to play with a seven five center who can barely move. But for the people who do want to, you shouldn't be able to take that away from them. Yeah, and you, it, that's a fantastic point right there. That can barely move. One of the other things that I loved about how they integrated the wingspan was that it affected your attributes. Like they could, yeah, yeah. they could have been idiots and just had it be like, oh, you can make them have like five inches longer than their uh, in height and they're just a fantastic defender now and it has no effect on their free point shooting but they had like yeah. a noticeable decrease like if you gave them a longer reach they were worse at shooting a shorter reach they were better at shooting like it, yeah. it mattered what you chose and like it wasn't yeah. just a stylistic thing and just going off of other improvements that I think the game has made I, I did enjoy the fact that this, this uh, year that they allowed you to have a dual archetype system but oh, I didn't <clears> see that so basically, you can choose two positions. Like your primary skill will be one thing, and your secondary skill will be one thing. So, for example, if you want to be a player like uh, Kawhi Leonard, for example, um, this might not be a perfect, you know, one to one, but or Clay Thompson, he's perfect, basically. Uh, like Clay Thompson, his primary skill. If you wanted to make a player like him, you could choose primary skill as sharpshooter, and then your secondary skill as lockdown defender. So that way, you know, you can resemble players. But my oh, okay. critique of that would be that that's still sort of unrealistic because. Like, what would you do for LeBron? Like, LeBron is, he's He's a point forward, but he's also a slasher, but he can also play defense, but he can also shoot the three sometimes, and he can also play in the post sometimes, like, you know? Well, here, how about about this? How about, like, if you get, like, you, they arrange it so you have, like, overall tiers, or, like, if you got to, like, a 90 or something, then you unlock a second attribute. Yeah, yeah, they should do stuff like that, yeah. Yeah. I feel like something like that would make sense, and then if you got to whatever LeBron's overall is, then you unlock like a third or something. No, but even how they used to do it in like 2K16, where they would just give you the bars like playmaker, playmaking ability, outside shooting, inside shooting, rebounding, defense, and uh, you know whatever else it was. Like I think that was better than you know what it is now because you're not back then. Like all you all you had to do then was you were choosing what weakness you would have, and you would be good at everything else rather than you can only choose two things that you're going to be good at, and then everything else you'll either be okay or bad at. Yeah, definitely. 
Uh, whenever you were uh, doing your uh, play in my careers, would you uh, like to uh, choose where you were going to get drafted, or would you just let them choose for you? Um, well, uh, in the years where the draft actually, uh, um, in the years in like so in two K sixteen and two K seventeen, where your college play and all that stuff affected where you would get drafted, um, I would typically just try and play well as like as well as possible in college, and then just go to whatever team drafted me. And then, because uh, okay, here's another thing that's unrealistic. Uh, just just to add on, yeah. Um, every every year in 2K, after your rookie season, you're a free agent. Oh, that's really? Re- yeah, you, yeah. That's not realistic. Like, in, in, as a rookie in the NBA, you you have a team option, and then your team chooses whether to extend you. So they should factor stuff like that into a decision. And like, they don't factor in like your player option. Like, they don't factor in like your team option and. Basically, you play a rookie season, you're a free agent, and you get to go wherever you want. Like that's just that's, oh, that's not that's horrible. I never knew that. I yeah, thought, I so thought like, it was like a three or four year contract, but no, that's no, terrible. No, yeah, and then um, you know, obviously, you can do some realistic things that you can request a trade, but like you shouldn't be able to be a rookie than be a free agent because like if you won rookie of the year, your team's not going to let you go sign where somewhere else. Like they're going to activate your team option. So, um, no, absolutely, that's they're bad. Yeah, and uh, but basically, the point that I was just making. What was I saying exactly? Uh, that uh, is outside oh, the of draft. the draft. Yeah, the draft, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, like, I mean, I would just try and get drafted relatively high, and then I would just play my first season. And then, uh, because I prefer realism, like, I prefer realism, so I would just re-sign with the team that drafted me. Yeah. And then after my second contract, you know, I would simulate through, maybe try and win a championship, and then, you know, then I would switch teams. Um, But, you know, that's basically how I played it. But then, obviously, like, Sometimes I would just get kind of bored of playing the college game, so I would just kind of simulate through them, and I would get drafted really low and work my way up. So, yeah, and that makes sense too. But yeah, the, my biggest problem with the, my career was like whenever I would get traded, because I always felt really weird about that. And I guess this is how uh, people feel in real life too, except they can't turn off the game if that happens. It's like I, it just like building up your chemistry with all these players and getting used to the team and being like, okay, I'm used to playing with. And like for me, I, I really, I only did one career ever. And that was, you know, one where it was by my name and like I was on the Raptors. It was that power forward one. And I had to turn it off once because I got traded from the Raptors after like 50 games into the season to the, I forget what team, it was like the Nets or something. And like, oh, yeah. And like, it was just a, a situation where like, I, I didn't want to be traded and like, it, it's a weird thing. Cause like you should be willing to go along with that. But for some reason, like trades are just not something I'm willing to accept in my career. And I'm, yeah. I'm not sure why that is. Yeah. And they, they actually removed that from the game. Now you cannot be traded. You have oh, to request a trade. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. So now, but I mean, that's like, I understand that you didn't like it, but at the same time, like that's, I feel like that's, that's realistic. Yeah. Yeah. Like you should be able to be traded if the team feels as though they could trade you, you know, like the, like it, you can't just be untouchable as a rookie. Like if you're having a horrible rookie season and someone wants to try and trade you, then they should be able to try and trade you. But I don't know. I, I really feel like 2k would just benefit from a lot more real, like realisticness and just more, like, more, more options depth to the story. Like, you know, like make it interesting so that people don't stop playing the game after like three months. Yeah, and I, unfortunately, their business model is just we have to get them hooked enough that they're going to want to buy the game when it's released initially, and then they'll play it for like a month, and then the people that yep. keep playing it, they're going to do the microtransactions. The people that don't, we don't need them anymore. And Yeah, exactly. Unfortunately, that's something we see a lot in business, especially today when it's just becoming more and more analytics-driven, where they're like, okay, what's the most efficient way we can possibly do this? 
is that they're going to do it in the easiest way possible and the one that makes the most sense monetarily, and it's very hard to fault companies for that. Yeah. Especially when they're not EA. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it's like, I mean, what are you going to do? The only way to combat it would be for enough people to actually buy the competition, but that's never going to happen. Yeah, and, and like that's, yeah, it seems like more and more today we're becoming uh, mo- monopolistic, but that's really a politics discussion. Yeah. Uh, did you ever play any other sports teams, eh, sports games, or was it just 2K? I played Madden a little bit, but not religiously. I just um, I got a little bit bored with 2K, so I bought Madden 17. Um, I made a quarterback, um, and you know I I did. I think all sports games sort of suffer from the same issue, where like there's no story; you just do the same thing. So like I mean, I was a rookie quarterback. I won the Super Bowl with the Giants. Um, that was it. <laughs> and then, yeah, like it's boring after that. Yeah, and like my, it, it, I completely agree with you there. It's just you're just playing the games at a certain point. I think the only one that can even survive on that is uh, baseball, because uh, this is uh, baseball's infamous for the fact that when you're uh, all the players, they uh, come up to hit for like, yeah, obviously if you're hitting, if you're pitching, it's a different story. But you, you come up to hit for like uh, a minute or two, and then you go sit on the bench for an hour. But I think that's yeah. I think that saves it as a video game because like you can get through games in like uh, five to ten minutes and that's really good for it. So like yeah. you can be through a whole season in a day if you want to. But yeah, and like and I, a, sorry, you were saying. Um, just basically, like the other thing that I dislike is like NBA like two K games like they take so long to get through if yes. you want to actually. It's like, like an hour I, and a half. Yeah. Yeah, like, I, I want a realistic score to the end of the game. Like, I get it, you can turn it to six-minute quarters, but I don't want to play six-minute quarters because the, the final score of the game will be, like, 60 to 50. Dude, I'm the same way. Like, I, I, yeah, 12 like, minutes all the way. Yeah, I, so I played, like, typically somewhere between 10 to 12-minute quarters just so, this, like, you know, the score actually looks realistic because that's what I prefer. But, I mean, honestly, like, I, I just feel like they need to add really actually realistic elements. Like, they need to, like, if your player on your team gets injured, that should be, like, a focus. Like, that should be important. Your player should be susceptible to getting injured, and then you have to, like, work back from it. You know, you, you should be able to get traded or, like, your team can sign a player that you don't like or, you know, you should have rivalries with certain teams. Just actual players? elements that are actually in the NBA. Yeah. Like, if I'm on the Celtics and, like, or, like, the Lakers and Nuggets have a rivalry right now, right? So, if I join the Lakers and I'm a member of their young core, then, like, I should have a disdain and want to play against the Nuggets really well because they have a rivalry. But all that stuff is just sort of ignored. I didn't know they had a, li- a rivalry. When did that happen? <laughs> oh, basically, Jamal Murray, uh, he, he dribbled around Lonzo Ball at the end of a game when they were up, and then the Lakers thought it was disrespectful, so they all started, like, fight, getting into a fight with them, so... Uh, that, they don't really like each other. And then Luke Walton called Jamal Murray disrespectful, and then uh, Lonzo Ball said that him dribbling around him was a punk move. So yeah, yeah, punk move. Yeah, yeah Jamal Murray versus Lonzo Ball. Yeah, we'll Point guard sc- matchup of the future. I'll screw the Lakers. Hopefully, they stay tanking for the next five years. <laughs> I must get LeBron this offseason. They better not. I, I'm really uh, crossing I, my I fingers. Really they, I, I doubt they're going to get him, but I mean, you never know. I don't know. I don't know. Demarcus Cousins and Paul George, both free agents. Yeah, they'll probably stay with their teams, but I, I'm uh, not... Paul George. I'm not sure. Depending on how the Thunder fall out, but Demarcus Cousins, I think, will stay. Yeah, like I think the biggest thing is that Sam Presti needs to say, okay, we're going for a new free agent instead of Carmelo Anthony. But I think they're going to be stuck with his contract, just like the Knicks were. Like, doesn't hey, it, doesn't, yeah. doesn't it expire after next year? 
Yeah, they signed. I think the Knicks signed him forever. Oh, really? No, no, no. They signed him to a five-year deal. They signed him in 2014 to a five-year deal. So yeah. Oh, 2014. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So they. I think. I think so. I think it was a five-year deal. I, sure I, I, that sounds right. Yeah. And obviously, it had the infamous no-trade clause, which. Uh, he he was super petty about right after Phil Jackson got fired. He you know, you know immediately requested a trade, but yeah, uh, I just I mean like it's weird because I mean when you think about the three players in the NBA who have a no trade clause, it's LeBron, Dirk, and Melo. Like why does Melo have? Yeah, and like I, I mean Dirk didn't even need one. There was no way he would ever get traded. But yeah, yeah, and I mean and then like Kevin Garnett had one with the Wolves, and then. Uh, Tim Duncan had one of his Spurs, but those were similar situations. Yeah, like it's just a franchise LeBron player. Is the only one that really matters. Like LeBron is the only one who really should have one. I feel yeah. like. Yeah, because like it, it, it's a situation where you could realistically trade him, even though you would never be able to find an equitable uh, amount to get back. I'm surprised Steph Curry and James Harden don't have no trade clauses in their new deals. Yeah, that's a good point. But I think they the GMs would have just said, "We're not going to give you the supermax if you do that." Even though they wouldn't realistically trade him, but still, like, yeah, I feel like maybe maybe Kawhi might get a no trade clause if he stays. Yeah, yeah, I feel like Greg Popovich would be willing to give him that if he gave it to Tim Duncan. Yeah. <clears throat> so uh, I, I think that about wraps up the whole uh, video game discussion. Uh, it, it, actually, one more thing. So, how accurate do you think two uh, game two K games are at uh, not simulating, as in like actually simming games, but like just watching the games on there, how accurate do you think they are to real life? They are not. They are not accurate because yeah. if I'm a, if I'm a if I'm in my my career right, or just you can do this in any game, no matter what the game mode is. If you play the game right, and like there is no way that you can consistently go through one player and get one player like seventy shots in a game. Like that's that's not that's yeah. ridiculous. They'll just like quadruple team them or something. They, like basically, if I, if like in, in like the way that I play, right? Like I just keep like if I call for the ball, they give it to me no matter what. That should not be a thing, especially like so. Right now in NBA Two K eighteen, I'm on the Cavaliers, right? I have LeBron James on my team, but for some reason, I'm running the offense. Like that's that's not that's unrealistic. Yeah, and just I mean, I don't really like that either. It just it's like weird how you have to like in, it, to make the game realistic. You have to do things to make it realistic. Like you have to go to a really bad team. And then you have to like pass when you feel like you shouldn't run the offense, and then like you have to set the quarter length, and you have to, you know, you basically have to accommodate to make it realistic and all this stuff. And I don't know, it's just that should be done for you. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. How, how are you feeling about this uh, top five MVP candidates list they're putting up? Uh, Dame at two is a little bit suspicious. Ky- Kyrie Irving at the three is a little bit suspicious. Oh, that, that's much more. Yeah, it should be James Harden, then LeBron, then Anthony Davis, and then yeah. after that it should probably be uh, Kevin Durant. Yeah. yeah, and not Steph, just because Steph's been out with a bunch of injuries this year. Yeah, and then fifth, maybe, yeah, Damian Lillard could be fifth. That's fine. No, I say Chris Paul fifth, actually. I think uh, you gotta oh. give him some credit, too. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I feel like he probably wouldn't get it just because he No, he, he wouldn't, but I think that he deserves or a lot I'm, of credit. I mean, even prior to the injury, I low-key feel like Jimmy Butler, just because of fourth seed in the West, prior yeah, to his injury. Like a, yeah, prior, yeah. Yeah, he, he, uh, he yeah, that was a shame. Yeah, it, it, Chris Paul always amazes me with the fact that he leads uh, all players in NBA history and in, uh, win shares per 48 minutes. Like, he, he yeah. beats out Michael Jordan, he beats out Wilt. Like, he literally is the best in the NBA history at that. 
which is unbelievable because yeah. it's not like he's some bench player doing that. He averages like 30 minutes a game. I, I don't know what he's averaging with the Rockets, but yeah, like he, he's a solid starter and he's doing this incredible thing that nobody gives him credit for. And I think that just yeah. immediately makes him the best player to never win an NBA championship. Yeah, I would have to agree with that. I would take him over Steve Nash, Charles Barkley, Carl Malone, Carl um, Malone, John Stockton. Yeah, I mean, okay, Carl uh, Malone. I, I really, I discount a lot of what Carl Malone did simply because John Stockton fed him the ball so yep, much. Absolutely. Uh, and John Stockton, on that same note, he was a limited player. Like he was a good point guard, but he he wasn't much of a scorer. And even though he's all time in steals, he really wasn't much of a defender because steals doesn't mean you're a good defender. It's just yep. something you can get in the passing lane. So, um, yeah, this Chris Paul. I think I, I would agree with that. He's probably the best player to win a championship. Yeah, let's hope he can get one, and if if not, well, there's, yeah, let's just hope he gets one. There's there's no honor in being the best at that. He should, yeah. I mean, if if they blow up this year, then he really should go to a team with LeBron and just try and try and get that done. Yeah, actually, that's a fantastic point because I, 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 that's something we haven't really talked about with this whole LeBron sweep sweepstakes. But if yeah, the if he does leave this year, I think he is very likely to go to a team with LeBron because that's something that they always talked about as going on the yeah, same team with each other. But at the same time, I don't think they should do the whole banana boat. No, 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 no. Yeah, um, he already well, has. Honestly, like having Dwayne Wade on the bench, I think is fine. But yeah. don't get Carmelo. No, don't hey, get Carmelo. avoid him at all costs. It's like yeah, trying Carmelo to bring is the black hole of NBA success now he is not helpful he's not productive to winning Dwayne Wade on the bench is fine because I feel like he can definitely go off and maybe help to win a playoff game so you know having Dwayne Wade on the bench just for experience because it would be fun like honestly it would just be fun for everyone like they'd have a good time uh that's fine because he can still probably produce about 10 11 points per game off the bench but Chris Paul and LeBron with some shooters deadly yeah yeah that'd be awesome yeah, ideally the team that I would build around LeBron this coming free agency, if pos- if at all possible, would be Chris Paul, uh, Paul George, and LeBron to the Pelicans, and then you'd have Chris Paul, Paul the George. The Pelicans. I I would love to see that so much. I I was amazed that the Pelicans weren't uh, more of a player in the free agent sweepstakes for uh, Chris Paul. I mean, yeah, I, that would have been perfect because he would have he would have been able to finish his career where you're not finished, but he would be able to continue playing where he started his career, and he would get two amazing big men yeah. who would thrive with him. Like it was the perfect situation. It was going back to where he started. I mean, maybe he just wasn't close with them originally, but he was with them for like a good eight years. It wasn't like, yeah, no, he 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 went to the Clippers. He was drafted in what two thousand two thousand five. Yeah, five, something yeah. like that. He's been around yeah, for a while. And then he was traded, I think, in like 2011 or 2012. So, yeah, he was there for a long time. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I, I guess he wanted the money or something. Uh, it, the Pelicans probably didn't have a lot more they could spend. Yeah, because well, yeah, at the time they were still really new and stuff. You know? But, now, I mean, now they're a legit franchise. I mean, they're no, still... No, I no, mean, I mean just like last year. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, no, still, yeah. I mean, I think it's a lot of it has to do with the fact that they're a small market team. Um, so, And also... The Clippers would have to agree to it too because it was a sign and trade for Chris Paul. They traded Patrick Beverly, Lou Williams, Sam Decker, and a draft pick for Chris Paul. Yeah, actually, how did how did you feel about that uh, Chris Paul uh, veto uh, that by David Stern when he was going to go to the Lakers? I mean, a lot of people think that it, it was dumb, but at this, I mean, like it was unfair, but. At the time, I don't know. I'm not sure how many NBA people like a lot of people talk about it, but I'm not sure they know the whole story. The New Orleans Pelicans or Hornets, as they were at the time, that team was owned by the NBA. Yes. So they had the power to 
cancel that trade just like any owner has the power to veto a trade um just like i remember i remember you know just this past summer when cleveland was about to trade Kyrie irving to the celtics when they found out that isaiah thomas's hip was injured they held off on it and they wanted more assets um <clears throat> so you know a- any owner of a team has the power to do that so the nba uh had the power to do that just because they probably felt like it would completely disrupt the balance of the nba so a lot of people say things like, oh, like they veto the Chris Paul trade, but why did they let KD go to the Warriors? Why did they let LeBron go to the Heat? Why did they let, uh, you know, why they let whatever, why they let uh, Ray Allen and Kevin Garnett go to the Celtics and all that stuff? But those situations are all completely different because the NBA actually owned a team that was involved in the trade. So I disliked it because I thought Chris Paul, Kobe Bryant, Pau Gasol could have been very good. But um, I feel like at the same time, a little bit grateful for it because that team probably would have been contending throughout 2012, 2013. Because um, Kobe Bryant was still playing at a high level, and uh, that probably would have given the Spurs some trouble and the Heat some trouble. So um, I'm, I'm glad with the fact that Tim Duncan has five championships, Kawhi has one, and LeBron has three. So those things would probably all be different if that trade had happened. So in hindsight, I, it's kind of to me, it's kind of fine that it never happened. Yeah, I, I, honestly, I don't think it would would have changed too much. To be honest, like if you yeah. remember, like in the 20. 20- I, I, was it 2011 2012 free agency 2011 i feel like it might have changed the dallas series i'm not sure if that if this was before or after that but um i, I feel like it was after oh i'm not sure if it was 2010 2011 or 2011 2012 but essentially like it probably just would have shaken up the west but at the end of the day you're maybe you're right I mean, yeah and maybe like the lakers would've... were on a downturn at that point like it, it was going to be two years later that kobe bryant was uh, going to get injured and paul gasol was uh, like falling off massively at that point and yeah, like they, he's not the same player. So yeah, you know, like they were just competing for like eight seats at that point. So I, I don't think it would have made them championship contenders by any means. But it, it could yeah. have been interesting. I mean, depending on who they put around them, but still, yeah. Yeah, and like seriously, if there was any team that that could happen to, let it be the Lakers. Like, oh no, let me, let me, I uh, let, let's dry off your tears with your seventeen NBA championships and your. Yeah, like, it's just <laughs> it's, I, it's I, kind I, of like it, it's like a fatigue thing. Like I mean seeing the Lakers be like the Lakers like it's not fair that all these other NBA teams have to suffer so long that the Lakers get to be so good all the time so the oh, Lakers yeah. should have some years of some struggle just just to keep it fair yeah yeah I mean just screw the Lakers and the Celtics but you know <laughs> yeah honestly Timberwolves Pelicans Suns for the future uh, yeah, not the Suns and that's going back to what we talked about last week which uh, which was uh what sports teams should you root for it's it's impossible to like a sports team that has a crappy owner, and the Suns do not yeah. have a good owner in Robert Sarver. Yeah, also, I mean, the Suns also, like, I know that now now they kind of seem like they're one of the worst teams in the NBA, but the Suns are actually the fourth most winning franchise in terms of games in NBA history. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I really. Uh, at yeah, what point I, it's was something the like that. It's like Lakers, Celtics, Spurs, and then them. Uh, their win percentage is among the highest. Oh, win, winning percentage. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 Uh, I was thinking games play. I was going to say they're not that old, but yeah, yeah, yeah no games played. No, it, winning winning percentage. Yeah, I think they're fourth of all time. Yeah, and that's a good point because didn't yeah. they come around in like the I want to say the eighties or something? So like that, you just go straight into the Charles Barkley years, and then you have the yeah, Steve Nash. Yeah. yeah, Charles Barkley, Amari Stoudemire, Steve Nash, all those play Like yeah, like they had, and then even I think they, I feel like I'm missing one player, but still, regardless. Yeah, I can't. I can't think of anyone we're missing, but maybe there's like seventies or something. Yeah, but yeah, if you just go straight, if you don't have those lean years like the Lakers did, or and like in between their fifties and sixties uh, teams, or like the 
bad Celtics teams, like, yeah, you're going to have a great winning percentage. Yep, that is true. Yeah, well, let's cross our fingers that the Spurs can move up on that list even further. Yeah, I hope the Spurs stay relevant for a long time. I love the Spurs. Yeah, I, I love Greg Popovich. Okay. He, yeah, he's brilliant. He's one of the best minds in the NBA. Uh, Skip Bayless, <laughs> he he seems to think that uh, Greg Popovich is taking a step back and that he's not as good as a coach as he used to be. Yeah, and, and someone that never gets enough credit in this, once again, going back to what we talked about last week, is just the great GMs in the league that don't get any credit for what they do. R.C. Buford has been... Yeah, he's brilliant. He's he does so much literally the best at finding players in the league. He, better than Masai Ushiri, he's... He always finds these amazing guys that like nobody even talks about. Like he, D- David Bertans, nobody knew about uh, Kyle Anderson, uh, Jonathan Simmons. That incredible trade for Ka- uh, Kawhi because he was originally on the Pacers. Yeah, George Hill, straight up. Yeah, yeah, like he's just always finding these awesome players yeah. that like nobody knows about. Yeah. Oh, one moment, Ryan. Yeah, I'm gonna mute the mic for a second. I gotta head downstairs for a second. Yeah, sure thing. So, uh, where, where am I going to take this, you guys? Um, let's see. I, I was going to ask about uh, what do you, you know, what do you thought about uh, college players and if they should be making money under the current NBA system, and then if he thought college players should be making money under our new system where, like, the NBA draft has gotten rid of and, like, a free agency thing is going on. Like, just how I'm thinking about it, it, it it's a weird issue because if college becomes voluntary and, like, you're not doing a one-and-done whole thing, that's kind of weird because maybe you shouldn't be making money, but there's still the situation where you're not really able to, like you're still providing a system to the NCAA, so maybe you should be getting reparations for it. And that's something that I'm surprised isn't talked about a little more during this NCAA tournament. I suppose it's just too much romanticism going on about it, but just like the billions of dollars, and I mean literally billions of dollars that brings in for NCAA programs, and the fact that like none of that goes to the players. And I, I don't want to hear uh, criticism saying that the NCAA needs that money to support other programs. Like, uh, the leagues usually do, like, a 50-50 split. So, oh, no, uh, are you not going to uh, – if we take half your money away, are you really going to crumble? And is, your, is, like, some D1 lacrosse program not going to be able to function anymore? Like, I'm not particularly concerned about that. But, yeah, Rod and I have been watching this uh, Rockets-Timberwolves game this entire time. We're trying to keep up that – uh, it just uh, theme of watching an NBA game while we're doing the podcast. I kind of think it's a, well, I kind of think that it's a, a fun thing to do. This has probably been the biggest blowout blow that we watched so far. Uh, the Nets uh, 76ers was a pretty big one too, but just in terms of what we, was expected, I, I thought we were going to get a better performance out of the Timberwolves. Uh, their defense is just shot without Jimmy Butler, and uh, unfortunately, it, it, it goes back to what we were talking about earlier. Just the one and two seeds in the West are so separated from the three for ten seeds, and it it, it just shows how obvious it is that the Western Conference is going to final is going to be the Rockets uh, Warriors. Like barring an incredible Spurs turnaround, which I don't think we can hope for at this point, because who knows what's going on with the Kawhi thing. It, it, it's going to be them. And for anyone that uh, complains and says that, oh, why should we care about the playoffs? Because we all know who's going to be there in the finals. That's not the point. The the point is we have really intriguing matchups here, and we have a lot of potential that's coming up in the wings. Like the Portland Trailblazers have been a really interesting team this year, and 
they've been really consistent with it, and like they're you know, for like the past thirty games or so, they've been really good. It isn't like it's just one big streak, and then they've been a whole lot of nothing, like some other uh, teams in the past. But uh, yeah, it, it seems like we got some great matchups. Like the, I would love to see like a Pelicans t- uh, Trailblazers game, and just see Anthony Davis trying to run down Yusuf Nurkic. That'd be that'd be really fun. And yeah, teams even teams that aren't making the playoffs right now, like the Nuggets, that, that that's that's a team that really could be great if they had a little more of uh, Paul Mills. Oh Jesus, <laughs> they just got in a fight in the in the Rockets Timberwolves game. That's pretty intense. Uh, who who's this guy with the Chinese hairdo? That's kind of weird. Oh, they're bringing you know it's bad when they're bringing on security officials to push away the players from the actual stadium arena. Whatever. But yeah, it looked like Orchie Gang got a little feisty there. Uh, I, I was actually looking at before this uh, some of the biggest uh, NBA, uh, not NBA, just uh, basketball arenas in the entire world, and it was really interesting looking at some of the ones that are above. Oh, I'm looking at the replay. And it looked like he just poked the guy and he fell over. That was like that was like a soccer level flop. Usually, I don't see those when I'm refing, but uh, apparently they happen. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I was looking at some of the. Some biggest stadiums by uh, capacity, like obviously the ones that are bigger than twenty thousand, because in the NBA you obviously have a United Center that's like twenty thousand. But just looking at some of the much bigger ones, like the one in the Philippines that's like fifty thousand people, that's uh, ridiculous. But yeah, I, I, you guys have to look up some of those pictures because it's really interesting to see how different uh, st- some stadiums are designed from uh, the ones that we're accustomed to in the NBA. And it sounds like our NBA correspondent is back. Ah, uh, hello. Yeah. So, uh, did we wrap up that uh, previous point? Yeah, I think we did. Okay, great. Then I can ask you a question that I gave the listeners. A- Ooh, hey, did you see this uh, fight that broke out? <laughs> yeah, I'm looking uh, right I, I was talking about it. It looks like literally uh, Gorgi Deng just poked the guy and he did, did like a soccer-style flop on the ground. Yeah, that was, that was ridiculous. Yeah, he barely touched him, and I, and I was saying, you know, it's serious when the the yeah, arena the, security the, officials yeah. come over. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, that obviously NBA fights. What are you gonna do? But I, so I was talking to them about uh, whether uh, you you think that uh, college players should be getting paid under the current NBA system, and then should college players be getting paid under our idealized NBA? Well, I mean, I think that college players first and foremost. And I'm I'm gonna go to the bathroom real quick. Yeah, I think college players first and foremost. Uh, they I think they should definitely be paid, but um, I feel like because I mean at the end of the day, all these college players, only about one or two percent of them end up actually end up playing in the NBA. So, you know, for some of them, they're you know they're playing four years uh, in college and. They end up not going to the NBA. They just wasted. I don't want to say wasted, but it's extremely difficult to be a student athlete where you're actually devoted to all of your studies and, um, you know, playing at a high level for college basketball. So you're not able to get the proper education that four years in college would give to an average person. So they should definitely be paid just, you know, to have something to fall back on when they're coming out of college and their basketball career is over because obviously not all of them are going to make it to the pros. But in the way that they should be paid, I feel like they should honestly just be paid by the NCAA's revenue system. Um, I'm really, I'm not exactly sure how would you work out salaries because uh, obviously yeah, that would be weird. 
Yeah, but it'd be weird. But I feel like all players on the team should end up being be paid. I, I think the biggest challenge with it is would you pay all the players equal salaries or not? Because obviously some players are going to be better than other players, but at the same time, it's difficult to rank them. And, you know, that would sort of take away from college basketball because college basketball is all about love of the game. And, like, they're not paid. They're playing it because they like the game. Um, so, I don't know. It'd be an interesting system to have to work out how they'd get paid. But I, whatever it would be, they should definitely get paid. Yeah. And like, or, or they could just do it by boosters who, like, actually – who do it for specific players because then specific players can't get mad about salaries if there are people who are giving them money, um, you know, boosters or whatever it may be. Yeah, like how and the boosters thing is interesting. I'll, I'll get back to you on that because I don't completely understand how that would work. But yeah, like right now it seems pretty obvious that they should just have it be, okay, how much money does the school bring in from the production of its uh, basketball team or whatever, and just and just go by like okay, how much is it getting from its TV contract or what or the conference money, and then just uh, divvy that up fifty-fifty uh, to uh, fifty to the players and then fifty to the university coach, whatever, because that's yeah. how any major sports league handles it. But with how to uh, divvy it up to the actual players, my proposal would be to uh, divvy it up based on the minutes played in a game. Oh, yeah, that's wise. Yeah, and like uh, anyone who argues that that would incentivize the coach to uh, play his uh, players literally every minute, that wouldn't happen because the coach is trying to win the game and like he's trying to uh, make sure that the players are rested. It's not like the players are going to leave for another team where they'd be making less money because there's less total yeah. pot to go around. Yeah, but I feel like at the same time, I feel like there should be a starting salary because then for the players... Yeah, yeah have, have like minutes. a minimum salary, yes. Yeah, because that way the players who have zero minutes still get paid. And then, you know, yeah, yeah no, that'd be wise because that way players can sort of work for it too because the harder you work, the more minutes you're going to get. So then you're sort of working for your money. Yeah, that, that, that'd be a good way to yeah. do that. And, and great point on the minimum salary. I didn't even notice that. Yeah. Because, I mean, obviously, then you have a bunch of guys playing zero minutes for no reason. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure how much they should get paid, but, I mean, yeah, and, uh, I'll whatever up, it may be. Yeah, and I'll look up how much money, uh, like, individual college basketball programs are bringing in from their their uh, yeah. teams and, like, see how that would compare to, like, other ones. Yeah, but, yeah, and then you can just, you can add up the minutes played by all the players and then divide it amongst that and then, yeah. you know, divide the, yeah. But I'll I'll do that calculation in a minute. But like, how how does the booster system work? Is that literally just endorsements, or is that uh, agents? I think it's like I, I'm not exactly sure either because I don't follow many college sports. But I feel like it's like there are certain like people and like you know, like super fans and stuff will give money to the school like in order to help the athletic programs. So um, people like that could you know the money given from those boosters to the program could be used to give to the players. Because most programs really don't need that much money to do more stuff, like, you know, yeah. Like, yeah. What, what do they what do they do with all the money that they generate from ticket sales and uh, merchandise and uh, TV deals and all? You know, like, so basically, any any extra money that's given from boosters to the program, I feel like, could be used to pay the players. That's that's what I meant by that. But in terms of how it works exactly, I'm not really sure. Yeah, uh, that'd be uh, good. And like it, it, the most important thing is just to eliminate this black market system where every team is like paying the players to like even the, every college team is uh, paying the players to like ha give them like a free meal or or yeah. like just like this uh, sketchy under the table stuff where like agents are pulling pay paying players so that they're gonna be with the agency when they're 
a pro and like just get rid of that like you make it so the player isn't going to be down for uh, getting like a hundred dollars so that they're going to be able to eat that night like that's just ridiculous you 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 should hire you should hire an agent when you declare for the draft like you should meet with agents who you feel like are going to represent you very well yeah but like even then it's too late but yeah just uh, getting some kind of money pool where that's not something that they have to think about is yeah yeah you're watching this Timberwolves game. It got close all of a sudden. Yeah, I know. I, I that that's. I'm not gonna say it's the curse of Chris Paul because like I'm so so used to seeing those Clippers games where the bench would just fall apart. But yeah, but yeah, like I have no clue if that's something that happens with the Rockets. Derek, Derek Rose is playing pretty well. He he is. I, I I've been paying attention to him, and he he's probably playing the best on defense on the entire team. Yeah. Yeah, I I don't know. Uh, just a little side note from what we were just talking about, but I think it's cool to see him and Jimmy Butler back together. They don't seem that close, but I feel like they have like a mutual respect or something. W- was Jimmy Butler even on the? Oh, well, yeah, because the Derek Derek Rose was there for a while. I I was for some reason thinking that he wasn't. But when when did Jimmy Butler get there? Was he there that uh, season? Uh, Derek Rose went off. Jimmy Butler arrived after. Derrick Rose won the MVP. It was the same summer. Oh, okay. Because Derrick Rose was given the MVP in 2011, and Jimmy Butler signed with the – or he didn't sign. He was drafted by the Bulls in 2011. Okay, gotcha. So basically, Jimmy Butler's first season was the season Derrick Rose tore his ACL. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay, gotcha. Uh, the so- lockout season. The lockout season was Jimmy Butler's first year. Okay, so uh, just uh, based on what I'm looking at right now, I, I'm seeing uh, payout figures that are way too low. I, I'm seeing like uh, stuff like uh, last year, uh, Gonzaga you know, being the top one and it only being $8.5 million for the entire year, which does not sound like enough. But cause literally, uh, well, like, how many players are on a college roster? Uh, like 12. But uh, just to put that in perspective, like there are some coaches that make that much. So that's not realistic. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your coach would have to take a pay cut for oh, all the players Jesus to get. Jesus Christ. Uh, James Harden hurt his hand. Yeah, is he okay? Uh, is he still on the court? He, he's still holding it. Let's see. If he stayed on the court, it shouldn't be a problem. Yeah. Oh, no. Oh, he's hurt. Oh, God. This is not a good time in the NBA season to have that happen. Hopefully it's not serious. Yeah, this was something I... Uh, uh, but he started holding it after. Oh, wait, he did? Oh, I... Let's see. Yeah, and this was something I talked about in one of our first podcasts, was that James Harden's one of these at-risk players who plays so many minutes, and like he's always more like top in the league in minutes and plays the most games, so... Yeah, James Harden, Carl Anthony Towns, Jimmy Butler... Andrew Wiggins, LeBron James, all those players are just one wrong step away from a bad injury. Yeah, no kidding with wrong step. Yeah. And, like, I mean, that's the, the one thing I will credit the Warriors for a lot is that they don't put their players in situations like that. They don't rely on anyone playing that many minutes. Yeah. And even the Thunder, too. Russell Westbrook, last year he averaged a triple-double, but he only played 34 minutes a game. Oh, really? I thought he was averaging, like, 36. No, he only averaged thirty-four minutes a game last year, which I, I, that's actually pretty impressive to me. That you're you're on the you're not playing for fourteen minutes a game, but you still average a triple double. It's pretty pretty good. Yeah. Okay. So I found another statistic, and uh, that's is that lower? Uh, no, that's higher. So I found another statistic by uh, here. Let me cite them because that's what Miss Haley would like me to do by yeah. Zax.com. Yeah. But that's not sketchy at all. 
that they make uh, about twenty million a year. So maybe that's like conference payout plus endorsements. So, yeah. yeah, I don't know. Whatever the system is, they need to work something. And honestly, even if it like it, it doesn't even have to be a ridiculous amounts of money. Like because like some of these some of the players who are playing in college really don't like they don't even need to be paid like that much. Like they just want enough money to like help their families or like just just do something like just to have some money. Like yeah. you know, you could even pay like some players like I don't know like. Sixty, seventy thousand dollars a year, and they'd be fine. Yeah, I'm running the calculation right now for what it would look like for like the average uh, star in college basketball. Uh, yeah, I'm, yeah, and then uh, you know they like uh, a player's ability to go to a school. I feel like that should be able to be bought. Like I remember there was like an outcry because apparently DeAndre Ayton only went to Arizona because someone paid him a hundred thousand dollars to do so. Yes, but like, why yeah, is why is that a why is that a problem? Like that, who cares? Like, so if someone paid him a hundred thousand dollars to do that, then that's fine. Yeah. Like whatever. Okay. So like one of the, if, if you had like a top five player in the entire NCAA and he's playing for like a top 15 program. So like a Duke, a Kentucky, a Michigan state, they would yeah. make based on my system. If they were playing 32 minutes per game would out of like a 40 minute game and they play every, every game in the season, which is pretty realistic. They would make one, uh, is that million? Yeah, one point six million that season. Yeah, that's not bad. That's like a and that's, that's realistic. Like a veteran. That's like a veteran minimum in the NBA. Yeah, yeah. So it's like a, less than a veteran minimum in the NBA. Oh, isn't? I, mean, I thought the veteran. I think. Minimum, I, I think the know. veteran minimum is like, or I feel like it's two point three million. I'll check. I feel like that's what it was for Derek Rose when he signed. Yeah. Uh, Let's see. Veteran. Yeah. Oh, no, you're right. It's one point four million. Oh wait, wait. No, I think it depends because David West's was one point four million, but Derek Rose's was. Uh, maybe it depends. Yeah. I don't know. Either way, it's about that. But yeah, and like that. That's a fantastic number. Like that's about where it should be, probably. And uh, yeah, like to, to get the veteran minimum and like just get something. Like that's that's yeah. a good amount. I don't. I don't know what we'd make the actual. Yeah, Derrick Rose was for two point one million. So, yeah. and I don't know what we'd make the actual minimum. Maybe there. like fifty thousand or something. But just so like you're making an actual salary for the fact that you're putting in putting in your life on not your life, your body on the line, and you're providing an actual service that not everybody can do. Like that's how yeah. that's how these things should work. Like it should. If you're doing something that the average person can't do, you should be making money for it. Also, like the the worst thing to me is like, like what if a player like Anthony Davis when he was at Kentucky, like what if he got injured and he never made it to the NBA? Oh, like, yeah. Exactly. Like you know, like he, like a Kevin just, Ware situation. Yeah, like he'd have nothing. Like he, Anthony Davis would literally be like he would not have much if he wasn't playing like well i mean i don't know his situation or whatever but like i'm assuming his life would be nothing like it is now if he wasn't in the nba so yeah you gotta think it wouldn't be yeah yeah so something i actually saw is uh apparently carl anthony towns has uh twitch that he uh live streams on oh really i didn't know that yeah uh, it wasn't particularly interesting because he was doing that stupid uh PUBG game that i don't understand why people like watching but yeah because, like, it, it just seems like an incredibly boring game. Like, nothing's ever happening, and, like, it's just... You basically camp for, like, 15 minutes, and then you eventually kill somebody. Like, so it's the yeah. worst aspect of first-person shooters, but... Well, which game are you talking about? Uh, Player Unknown Battleground, or whatever it is. Oh, yeah, no, I'm not sure what that is. 
Yeah, I like I barely know what it is either. It's just because I run into it on Twitch whenever I like once a month and check out what's going on on Twitch. Yeah, but yeah, apparently, apparently, you started a YouTube channel too, and that goes into my question. Uh, do you think that uh, players right now should be leveraging uh, social media? Not social media; they're doing that enough. Like um, modern media more, and like they should really try and build, be building their own brands in the same way that. Like US, UFC fighters are making uh, careers out of being commentators while they are fighters as well? Um, I don't have a problem with it because I feel like any NBA player should be able to do whatever they want. Uh, but at the same time, I don't think they should go so far out and doing stuff like that that it affects their career. Um, I just, I, I, in a perfect world, um, every NBA player's ideal goal would be to be the best player possible for themselves given their skill level. But I feel like at the end of the day, the more talented players like Carl Anthony Towns, I feel like he's, I feel like a player like him because he's so talented and knows that he can be probably a top center in the NBA will continue to do so. So for him, for a player like him, I don't really see it as an issue. But you know, maybe for like a lesser star in the NBA who, like you know, let's just pick a random guy off the team like Joe Ingles, right? Like I don't think Joe Ingles should be spending all of his, all of his time like trying to build up a brand when he could be doing more to improve as an NBA player. So. Yeah, definitely, and I I would like to see at least more people trying to uh, do something like it. But it is a lot of time out of your day, and like you, it's debatable how much of an effect it would really have beyond what they're yeah. currently doing with like Twitter and all the social media. Stuff. Yeah, I mean, to, yeah, you're right. Too. I mean, a lot of players, um, uh, like, I mean, basically, like, I don't think a player should ever be more focused on making money outside of the game like in terms of having a brand and like having followers and like social media or anything like that basically like you know um because like like damian lillard for example like he is a rapper on the side like he released an album but like that's fine because obviously everyone's seeing this season that that has absolutely nothing to do with how well he's been playing so yeah no oh, wow Derek was just had a really good defensive play on chris paul yeah you did this this game is still really close. It'll be interesting to see how this goes. Derrick Rose is to get involved. I like what Derrick Rose is doing though. I feel like he's getting more involved on defense to compensate for what he can't do on offense anymore, which I, I really appreciate that actually. Yeah, I, oh, I, that I, was pretty nice. Yeah, how about that? And I'm not gonna say I didn't give him a, give him enough credit, but yeah, like because I frankly didn't think he was gonna be doing this kind of stuff. But yeah, if he plays like this every game, you can give him some credit here. But yeah. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll see. We were just talking about him. Yeah, twelve <laughs> points and some really good defense. That is not bad. Yeah, it's sad that that's the standard now, though. Uh, yeah, he could have been so much better, but I mean, injuries happen. Yeah, no, but I mean, it's cool that he's because he's still a really athletic player, so um, he can obviously play some defense. Yeah. Uh, okay, so. Do you, I, I, I've never actually asked you this. Uh, do you do you have any questions for like how I feel about something in the NBA? Because like I'm always asking you about stuff. Yeah, let, let me. I, I can. I'm sure I can think off the top of my head. So, um, do you think that there? Uh, uh, well, basically, are you a fan of the fact that the game is so oriented towards everybody shooting threes, or do you wish that there was more of an emphasis on players like Boogie Cousins? Anthony Davis, uh, DeAndre Jordan, Andre Drummond, Rudy Gobert. Like, do you do you hope for like a like? Because I know in this upcoming NBA draft, you have players like Michael Porter Jr., DeAndre Ayton, Marvin Bagley. Like all these play, all these young players who are going to come into the NBA next season are they're more big men. They're less guards this year. 
Uh, do you do you hope for an emphasis like back on like inside play and like post play and just uh, I guess scoring inside, or do you or do you kind of like how it is now where it's more finesse play and more three point shooting and jump shooting? Yeah, so like which I uh, stylistically more prefer. Uh, Hmm. Yeah, uh, uh, that's a good question. Um, hmm. I feel like for the most part, it's just I, I like whatever works, and I, I, I like to know that uh, coaches are always doing the smartest and most efficient thing, like yeah, seeing, uh, following like yeah, baseball and like seeing uh, front offices that like don't, either don't buy into analytics or are are like, no, we're going to get pitchers that uh, pitch to contact instead of pitchers that like do strikeouts. I mean, like, it, it, even if I liked it, it, pitchers that pitch to contact or or something, I would just say, but they should be doing this other thing. They're not being smart about how they're doing it. So, it, like, that's how I feel about it. But I, I think for, it, it is interesting. Oh, wow. Sorry. Derek Rose, really nice play again. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Keep going. I just saw that, too. Wow. Yeah. This game is going to be real close. But, uh, yeah. yeah, I think for it, the biggest thing right now is just, it's just a counterculture thing. And one of my favorite things to see is, isn't post play. I'm like, I'm not crazy about post play, but I love seeing blocks. So like, that's really what I like seeing about my, out of my, uh, uh, big men. And like, like I'm not crazy about free point shooting, but like, I'm also surprisingly not crazy about watching the NBA. I just love the system that it is. Yeah, I see. Yeah. I, I get what you're saying. Um, I prefer playoff basketball myself. Yeah. I, I like too. watching the slower pace. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Like, I like slower I pace, I, I'm just not sure what aspects I like. Okay, I, I, I like watching post-fades, like post-fadeaways, like Dirk Nowitzki, LaMarcus Aldridge, Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan, LeBron James. Like, I like that, but I don't like, like, just pushing your shoulder into someone's chest all the way. Yeah, and no. Just get, like, like that's, that's a little bit boring to watch. Um, I do think the NBA now, with the way the three-point shooting and stuff is, I do think it's more exciting to watch just because it goes at a faster pace, and, like, it's like... Oh, like this trip down? Are they going to the rim? Or are they going to shoot a three? Like, st- despite any criticisms of Steph Curry, Steph Curry is one of the most fun players to watch in the NBA. Oh, like yeah. he's very like just the way that he can handle the ball, dribble the ball, the way he shoots the ball, the way he can make layups, floaters, like all that stuff. Um, so yeah, no, I understand what you're saying. I don't really have a preference for the inside game per se, but I I would love to see more of an emphasis on defense because it feels yeah, like so yeah. many teams now yeah. just try. They everyone you just tries so me. much to play offense. Like last year with the Rockets, um, they just didn't play deep. Like they didn't care about defense. Now it's cool because they actually care about it. But like I agree with you. Like shot blocking is one of the more exciting aspects of the NBA, and even like steals and someone going coast to coast to try and get to the rim is is much more exciting than just not than taking defensive plays off. So yeah. I, I wish that there was a little bit more balance. But at the same time, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't go for any strict change to the NBA. Yeah, and you you literally stole it right out of not literally. Yeah, you, you stole it right out of my mouth. I I was just about to say I think the thing that I don't like about the three point uh, shooting focus is that it takes away from defense, and defense is always the thing that I prefer the most. And when watching yep. a game, like I, I don't like defense to the it because you can't play offense. That's not fun. But I, I like I love teams like the Jazz and the Spurs where they or like the Grizzlies where. It, I'm not crazy about them slowing it down, but like that they can take control of a game and like they can lock down players. Cause, and I, I yeah. think that ultimately comes from the fact that I've never, whenever I play sports, I'm not an offense player. I'm always the defensive player that like tries to shut down some other guy or like, I, I think it's just something that I relate to more than like these yeah. crazy offensive teams. And like I'm watching like the Rockets and 
Like they're just flinging the ball over the court, and I'm like, what? What, what is even going on here? Yeah, and also like I, I think it's 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 pretty fair to say that offense comes from defense, but defense yeah. doesn't come from offense. So yeah. I feel like like once you have a good defense, like everything else works out. Like uh, for example, like Cle- I didn't know this about the Cleveland Cavaliers, but in 2016 when they won the championship, their defensive rating was like 98 points per game, which is amazing. Yeah, well, um, they were and like I, like obviously you could tell like that season for them was great. Like they won 57 games. And they won the championship. They had a really dominant Eastern Conference. Like, you know, so that kind of thing is just, uh, yeah, I agree. I think there needs to be more of an emphasis placed on defense. So hopefully some of these guys coming into the NBA realize that and try that. Yeah, and like it's it, it's ultimately just a oh, problem well. of pace because like a, it, if the ball is physically moving faster around on the court, like just because of more passes, it's much harder to you know, it's harder to defend the ball because, like, it's harder to be in the right place or whatever. Yeah. So I, yeah. I would probably prefer a little bit of a slowdown of the game, but not not too extreme. No, like, not a, okay. like let's say, like, I'm not sure what the average, like, I'm not sure what the average pace of play in the NBA right now is, but maybe if you brought it down to like a couple less possessions per game and stuff, um, I think that could be pretty cool. Because maybe back to like how, like, I think it would be cooler if, like, you know how, like, in the early, like, in a couple, like, maybe like let's say ten years ago, 10, 11, 12 years ago, when it was like. You'd have like Steve Nash and the Suns would be a team that's like running gun and like they're seven seconds or less, but then you have multiple other teams who are the complete opposite of them. Like now it's like almost every team is trying to do run and gun and yeah. like three pointers and layups. I think every team should be able to win in their own way. Like you should have a couple, like it rather than just having the Jazz, Memphis, and San Antonio be the grinded out teams, like you should have multiple teams like that. You should have multiple teams that like to play, you know, seven seconds or less. You know, just change it up and like have some teams who feed off of ball movement, some teams that feed off a of three-point shooting, some teams that feed off a of defense. Like, I feel like it would just give more variety. And then, like, when you're flipping through NBA games to watch, like, you can kind of pick what kind of game you want to watch. Like, if you want to watch a slow, grinded-out defensive game, then you can pick that. Or if you want to watch a high three-point shooting game, you can do that. You know, yeah, I feel like it would just give more variety and more things to watch. Oh, definitely. And, like, it comes back to what we were saying earlier about the replayability of uh, stuff like that. It's a grind to watch uh, an entire NBA season, or heck, even to watch the entire NBA playoffs. And it's so, it's really appreciated when like you get one game and then you turn on the next one, and it's a completely different game. Like it's not fun to just yeah. watch the same thing over and over. Exactly. That's why I think, and also, um, like just in general, with like, it makes it le- like for like a Golden State Houston series, like watching that series is going to be so repetitive. Like, it's going to be the same game every yeah. game. It's going to be a matter of who ends up making more shots. Like, you know, it, it's not really going to be something different. Like, the one series from a few years ago it was, I think, the Warriors and the Grizzlies. I think, I'm not sure if this was in 2015 or in 2014, but, no, I think, I don't know. I'm not sure what year it was, but basically, no, it was in 2015. I think. Yeah, what coach was it? It was Steve, Steve Kerr's first year. No, 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 uh, for the Grizzlies, because it would have either been Yarger or... Uh, oh, it's Dave Yeager. Oh, okay, then, yeah. Yeah, um, they, like, that series was fun to watch because you have two teams that are just completely different. Like, you have a three-point shooting, like, team, and... Oh, my God. Oh. And then, um, sorry, Derek Rose again. Yeah, no, don't but, worry about it. This <laughs> has been an awesome game. Yeah, uh, but, yeah, like, you had Golden State playing one way, and then you had Memphis playing completely differently. So that was really interesting to watch because you got to see an actual clash of styles and stuff. And even in... Uh, the 2016 NBA Finals, like you had Cleveland really slow down the pace of that series. And then especially in Game 7, the final score was only 89 to 93. 
whereas Golden State obviously was playing like the 120s. So, um, you know, I just I always prefer to watch different styles of play because having every team like I can probably I can name so many teams off the top of my head right now that's like they just play fast pace and like go flashy and like shoot a bunch of threes. Like got Golden State, you got Houston, you got lost. The Lakers are like that. The Cavs are like that. The Raptors are moving towards being like that. Um, you know, the Suns try to be like that. Obviously, they're not any good at it. Yeah, um, almost every tanking but, team at this point. Yeah, it's like I mean, the only teams that I feel like I feel like it'd be easier to say the teams that don't do that. Yes. It's like San Antonio, New Orleans, um, the Jazz. Derek Rose just played lockdown defense on James. Yeah, Hart. I know. I, I cannot believe how well he's playing defense still. <laughs> that is that was ridiculous. He actually went tat for tat with James Harden. But anyways, um, yeah, like you got New Orleans doesn't do that because they're big men. You got San Antonio, the Jazz, um, the Grizzlies. I'm not really sure what the Grizzlies are doing anymore. Yeah, because... no, I think they've dropped it. Oh, Carl Anthony Towns. Yeah. I don't, I don't think they're going to win this game, but they're, they're certainly putting up a lot of effort. Yeah, it was a, it's a good game. But, um, yeah, I mean, what can you do about the NBA, I guess? So a lot of teams are probably going to keep doing this until it stops working, so... Yeah, and I mean they should. It would be terrible if the NBA tried to say you know, like you can't keep and do what you want with the pace of play. But oh wow, yeah. So I didn't mention this, but I'm like 30 seconds behind. That was a terrible shot by Carl Anthony Towns. Yeah, <laughs> that was bad. But uh, yeah, it, 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 we just need more variety in terms of the games, and I, I'd be fascinated to see how much. Uh, people's liking of playoff basketball has to do with uh, the stakes of the game, obviously, or just the slower pace of play. Because mm-hmm. there really is no way to tell at this point. Yeah, I mean, it is what it is. Yeah. Uh, hmm. what, what else is going on in the NBA? Uh, how are the scores for tonight? Let's see. Hmm. Anything interesting going on in terms of the games? I'm assuming the Celtics are winning. Oh, they lost. Oh, they lost. Uh-oh. Yeah, that's, that is interesting. Uh, actually, yeah, you were watching uh, some of that game. Uh, game. Can you give us a recap on what you saw? Uh, Anthony Davis dominating them. That, that was basically about all I saw from it. Uh, I don't think Kyrie was playing, but um, I think it's – I mean, all these losses from – the Celtics are kind of showing me that they're really not prepared. This, like, this, they're really not ready. <laughs> like, they're just not. I, I mean, they're they're a great team and all that. Like, in terms for what they are, they're a really good team, but they're really not going to do that much when it comes time for the playoffs. Yeah, it, it seems like more and more this season, people are starting to get off the bandwagon, and that's what it was. It was totally a bandwagon where everyone's like, ooh, Kyrie's creating some drama here. He's leaving the Cavs, and then they go on the 15-game winning streak, obviously. But yeah, yeah, it's ridiculous that they got that, that up in Arbison, and it kind of put me against them the entire year. Yeah, I mean, it's sort of just like the Celtics, they just can't generate enough. Like, it's like they just don't have enough right now. Like, Jason Tatum hit his rookie wall. Jalen Brown hit his sophomore year wall. And Gordon Hayward obviously was out. Kyrie Irving is overrated. Um, and uh, there's not really anyone else on that team. Al Horford has had a disappointing season. Um, Marcus Smart is still Marcus Smart, the worst offensive player in the league. And, uh, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I mean he, he fits a role, but, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. No, I think his career field goal percentage is like thirty five percent. No, it's it's one of the worst. But like, yeah, he's he's. I think he for the amount of games he's played, he's the worst. Yeah. Um. So yeah, and he has one of the worst uh, layup percentages as well. Like apparently, I I read some stat that for a while he was shooting better from. Not free. That that wouldn't make any sense. But he was like shooting better from jump shots than from layups. Yeah, so, that that's ridiculous. Yeah, but uh, yeah, there's not much to be said there. Uh, let's see. Uh, do you do you think that the NBA should uh, try and uh, buy out the big league? Eh, not the big, league, the big free, and uh, try and run with it for next year as well. Yeah, I actually feel like that would be best suited for both leagues because I feel like the big three would get so much more attention if it was backed by the NBA because, like, I mean, the big three concept to me sounded super cool, but, like, I mean, like, I, I couldn't watch any games because, like, I mean, like, where were they? Like, I don't even know what, what they were televised on. So if they actually got a deal with the NBA and sort of maybe created, like, an actual system where, like, like, uh, if, like a player who's retiring, right, like, you know, he can just go immediately to the big three instead of having to leave the NBA, get his retirement all done, and then have to sign a new contract with the big three. Like, that way, you know, you can just... Like, if you're, like, an old player, like, like let's say Dirk Nowitzki, right? And, like, you know that you want to play in the big three, maybe you could just add, like, a... Like, you could add, like, an extension part of your contract which says after you're done playing in the NBA, you can play in the big three for, like, a year if you want to. So, you know, I feel like it would just help the big three get actually, like, get more attention because... I don't think that many people were actually watching it last year. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I, I think the biggest thing is, it, yeah, just making a more professional atmosphere also, because I, I watched, like, the first free games online, or some, not games, like, first free episodes, I guess you would call it. Like, they did a weird thing where it was, like, four games per episode, and yeah. it, it, it was tough to watch because, like, they were constantly changing the format because, you know, like, you, it was in its inception, you would expect something like that. But yeah. what really turned me off to them was... In the fourth uh, episode, what they what they did, and I didn't even bother to watch it because I just I got sick of it. Was uh, there was the whole fiasco with uh, Allen Iverson because they did like Allen Iverson for, throughout the thing was like their spokesperson and like he was their big uh, guy that like they were really trying to uh, promote and be like, look, we have Allen Iverson and we're going to be doing an event in uh, Philadelphia in week four and it's going to be great. And yeah. basically what happened was Allen Iverson didn't play at all. He, oh, he, like, yeah, I remember that. He, there was, like, a controversy. There was a problem. Like he, And they didn't he tell people not he was. Up. Yeah, and, like, like, they didn't tell people that. Like, they yeah. and they tried to keep it a secret so people would still come to the thing. And, like, they... And, yeah. yeah, that's bad. And, like, also, I, I was reading, like, afterwards at the press conferences, I, apparently they were, like, trying to reach Ice-T, oh. and, like, he was, like, running out of the thing. Yeah, I mean, also, I feel like they just need to be more, like, there needs to be more rules about it. Like, you, you can't have Tracy McGrady, who's, like, 38, and could probably still be a rotation player in the NBA playing against, like, 50-year-old Charles Oakley. Yeah. Like, or however old Charles Oakley is. Yeah, like, like, you, like, you know, like you, you, there needs to be more strict limitations. Like, it should probably be something where it's, like, you have to be at least, like, 10 years retired from the NBA. Like, you can't be, like, ancient. Like, you can't be, like, like, because I'm pretty sure Charles Oakley played last season uh yeah he was he yes he did he, he yeah last like charles played. oakley is 54 like it's he charles oakley hasn't played in the nba since 2004 um and even then he really didn't even actually play he only played seven games off the bench so like basically his last real nba season was in 2000 2000 uh 
2001, 2002. And so to have him still be playing, to have him in the big three, it's kind of unfair when you have a player like Tracy McGrady, who's like two years, or not two years, but like three, four years removed from his retirement. Yeah, definitely. And like you, you in the games that I saw, like it, it was always Kwame Brown dominating all these other players just because he's in his mid-30s still. So he's able to do stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. Like Kwame, Kwame Brown is nothing in the NBA, but if you put him against a bunch of old retired players, like he's 36, obviously he's going to play well. He, he just finished his NBA career in 2013. Yeah, and like you, what's that? What's what? Oh, sorry, I was, I was hearing like a weird tapping noise. I, I wasn't sure if it was like a woodpecker or something. Oh, uh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, but like another thing was they had like a, some 29-year-old that was in the league, and like he was having some really good games. And if you're 29 years old and you're in some Legends League you're not a good player. Like you should yeah, it should be the real legends. Like it, it, or not legends. Like it, it doesn't have to be legends, but it should just be like retired players who are all kind of within the same age group. Because like twenty nine year old, like imagine that twenty nine year old gets switched onto fifty four year old Charles Oakley. Like that's a difference of almost thirty years. That's yeah. a twenty five year difference. Yeah, it's so, ridiculous. Yeah. So. Yeah, I'm. I'm not sure what the limitation would be. Maybe it should be something like if you're older than like. 45 you can't play or you know maybe that would be a little bit too harsh but like maybe you, you could have to go through some sort of like you know, how, how about you have to pass like a physical or something yeah 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 something like that because that like because that way like a player like a player like vince carter could play even though he's going to be old like i'm sure he's going to be really good in the big three even though he's pretty old um yeah well, but, and like someone like mahmoud abdul Rayouf, who is like 52 years old he was awesome and like yeah. he's old as hell yeah, and like, but you shouldn't be like you have to. There should there have to be some sort of criteria where like there has to be something that kind of makes you want to like Derrick Rose. Oh, we missed. But um, oh, yeah, it's okay. He had a pretty good game. But yeah. um, yeah, like he Derrick Rose, he could be a great big three player. Yeah, yeah. If he has any knee cartilage left by the end. Yeah. Uh, do you think they should bring a free on free basketball to the Olympics? I know I saw that. I think it'd be cool. Uh, but I think it'd be a little bit interesting to see who they would send because but I feel like you would definitely have to get some, like the coach of the US, USA basketball to choose who the three would be because otherwise everyone would be like, oh, no, I want to go. No, I want to go. No, I want to go. Yeah. So Is, is Greg Popovich uh, coaching for the 2024 Olympics? I know he's doing 2020. I think, I think he's the coach for the foreseeable future. Okay. Like until he chooses someone, until he chooses to step down. Yeah, I'd be curious to see who he would choose as his replacement once he's done. Probably Brad Stevens, but, you know. Probably Brad Stevens. He's probably the next coach in the NBA who's going to be really good. Like, he's probably going to be a really good parent. Like, he's probably going to be with the Celtics for the next, like, however long. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's probably going to be one of the more stable coaches in the NBA for the next couple years. Um, I mean, he might even choose Steve Kerr, honestly, but that'd be kind of dumb. Yeah, he shouldn't. I mean, Steve Kerr's not the greatest coach ever or anything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, speaking on Greg Popovich and coaching, I heard that uh, once he retires, he wants Manu Ginobili to take over as head coach. I, I heard sure. that too, yeah. yeah that, that'll be great. That'll actually be really good. Yeah, I, I don't know how good of a, a like a mentor Manu is. Like you don't you don't if you turn on like a Spurs game or something, you don't see Manu like going around and like trying to help out the players or anything. But I'm sure he does a ton of stuff behind the scenes. I'm sure he probably does it a lot in the locker room because I feel like on the court the, the Spurs are all pretty stoic on the court. They don't really show that much emotion. Yeah, 
Or even, I, honestly, though, I, I kind of get what you're saying. I feel like Tony Parker might be a little bit better because you see more of like him talking a little bit more like in press conferences and like talking about teammates and stuff. Yeah. Well, I do, I do wonder how much like they've uh, really repaired the rift between him and like the team because I'm sure you remember like 2007, 2008 or whatever was his whole uh, cheating scandal with his wife. But I, I'm, I'm sure they're over it at this point. It's been like 10 Oh, yeah. Years. I don't think Tony, I, I don't think it's a big deal because, I mean, he, I mean, he obviously ended up doing all the stuff that he did. Because, okay. I mean, there's the woodpecker again. Up, oh, it's gone. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure what that is. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, sorry about that. Uh, yeah, Tony Parker would be interesting, and yeah, I'm sure they're over it. But yeah, my... you know, what's interesting about Tony Parker that I just did not find out until just now, Tony Parker is a point guard, but his career field goal percentage is 49. Oh. That's amazing for a point guard. Yeah, that's really good. How's his uh, true shooting percentage? I'm not sure. I'm just looking at um, I'm only looking at basic stats, but Tony Parker had a season where he shot 55% from the field. Wow, that's crazy. And he averaged 19 points per game. That's yeah. insane. Yeah, I, I mean, you don't really think of him as like a shoot-first point guard. That's really five. Cool. Yeah, he has five seasons where he shot above 50% from the field. Wow. That's that's amazing. And he's never shot low. He shot, so his basically his rookie year was 42%, but since then the lowest he's ever shot in his career is 45 yeah, so like I'm looking at his uh, true shooting percentage right now. Uh, he's uh, .548 for his entire career, so that's that's pretty crazy. Uh, yeah, and like just as recently as uh, 2012, uh, he was uh, .588, so that's really good. Yeah, wow. Yeah, well, that's my fun fact of the day, I guess. Yeah, here let me uh, just compare that to uh, Rudy Gobert last season, because you know Rudy Gobert is the pinnacle of everything. Uh, okay, yeah. so not not comparable, but you know, it's still good for Tony Parker. Uh, Gobert having a six eight one, but you know. Oh well, yeah, he's a center. <laughs> Let's ignore Maybe that fact. Check Steph Curry's. No, no, Steph Curry's actually probably insane. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, and I think it's also propped up by the fact that he's an amazing free for a shooter. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, let's see, Steph Curry's. I'm gonna guess it's in the six hundreds. Uh whoa, jeez, six four five, six seven five. So that's even more. Oh than, wow, that's even more than Gobert. Well, check check LeBron's while yeah, you're doing this. Yeah, yeah, sure, LeBron. Uh, easy enough. Just on Basketball Reference, going down to each person at person's advanced metrics. Let's see. Uh, LeBron, LeBron. Here I'll just do uh, best seasons. Uh, where there there we go. Okay. Uh, best season 2013-2014 is 6-4-9, and last season he was a 6-1-9. So that's, okay. that's really good. Yeah, especially because he gets fouled a lot. Oh, yeah. And like that's something that he does not get enough credit for, like how well he shoots despite the fact that he's always getting dragged on and he's basically got the Shaq syndrome. Yeah, he does have Shaq syndrome. He has a huge case of Shaq syndrome. <clears throat> but everyone, all of his haters like to deem it that he just complains. Yeah. So, but, I mean, it's ridiculous how James Harden will get grazed by one finger and go to the line, and LeBron will basically have to fall to the ground. Yeah, and that, that was definitely something we saw in this game. Like, there were a couple times where yeah. like, somebody just touched his, like, his offhand on his shooting, and, like, they would, he would get a foul. Yeah. 
honestly. The only honestly, I just wish LeBron was a little bit better of a free throw shooter. I think that would really round out his game. Yeah. So, like, something I've never asked you is, like, uh, who's your favorite uh, player historically? Like, not the one you think is the best, but, like, who's your uh, favorite to either watch or, like, just to follow? Oh, and uh, Dirk, Dirk Nowitzki, my favorite player. Okay. Dirk Nowitzki. Uh, well, I, 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 I was going to say one not in the NBA right now, but... Oh, well, I mean, okay, he's basically not really in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Like, he he's, he straddles the line too much. He's Darn on, you. He's on his last leg. He's on his last leg. But, yeah. um... He, uh, the reason he's my favorite player is because uh, basically when I look back on NBA like history, to me, he's the only player that stands out as being like he, he truly and genuinely, like he was actually the only star on the team that won a championship. And yeah. to me, that's ridiculous. Like to me, the 2000, and like I know he had Jason Terry and Jason Kidd and Tyson Chandler. I know they all played well, but at the end of the day, that team did nothing without Dirk Nowitzki. Like, yeah. if Dirk Nowitzki didn't average 26 points and 10 rebounds in the 2011 Finals, there's no way they were champions. If he didn't play, like he played, he was extremely clutch in that 2011 Final Series. Um, I could ramble on about Dirk, but he basically, what I think that he, there are two things that I think he doesn't get credit for. So the first thing is, I feel like Dirk Nowitzki did a huge, huge job in uh, sort of introducing the idea of having a stretch big man. And he sort of introduced, I think, the idea of, or actually, let me make these three things. Um, so he introduced like the, the concept of like a stretch four. Like he was the first, I think, in the NBA to really, really, like he played more, like he played, like he played on the block to shoot post phase and then when he wasn't doing that he was playing behind the three-point line and like he wasn't one of those players who was constantly banging down low as a power forward even though he was seven tall and i guess he was sort of the first big man who played with more finesse than with power that's a good Um, point yeah and you know just the way that he shot yeah he like everyone else prior to him like and even the players who all played in his time all kind of played like like we were talking about earlier, like just shoving your shoulder into someone's chest and getting to the basket. But Dirk was always, you know, obviously he, he perfected the one, the one legged fade away that everyone tries to copy now. And he was expanding his range to where, you know, obviously he, like, like I attribute the concept of stretching the floor, like where you have a big man shooting. Like, I feel like every team that has a big man that shoots is sort of because Dirk kind of made that like a thing. And he showed how successful that could be when the Mavericks were winning a lot of games in the two thousands. Uh, the second thing that I think he doesn't get enough credit for is how good of a job he did uh, being an ambassador for the game and welcoming it to like European players. Because now uh, I think he was probably, you know, it, for the 2000s uh, era, he was the best European player. Um, oh, I think down. Def- like definitely. He, he's probably, I think, depending on how you think of Hakeem Olajuwon, because Hakeem Olajuwon played college in the United States and all that stuff. Um, I think Jerk Nowitzki is the best international player ever. He really expanded the game beyond borders. And like now you see this thing where so many teams end up drafting a tall white big man, just because they feel like he might be the next Dirk Nowitzki. Uh, Kristaps Porzingis that ended up working out, but then you have Dragon Bender, Darko Milicic, Andrea Bargnani. Um, and that list goes on. <clears throat> yeah. Jakob Pertl for the Raptors. Uh, and then the last thing, um, in the 2011 uh, playoffs, uh, no one really talks about how like the level of competition that he went through to get to that championship was absolutely phenomenal. Uh, in the first round, he played against the Portland Trailblazers uh, when they had, uh, you know, LaMarcus Aldridge, and they were they were playing really well. Uh, he beat them in six games. Then 
after that series, uh, he played the defending champion Los Angeles Lakers, who had just went back-to-back with Kobe Bryant and Pau Gasol. He swept them. They won the series 4-0. And then in the conference finals, he beat a young up-and-coming team of Kevin Durant, James Harden, and Russell Westbrook in the conference finals that ended up going to the finals the year after. Uh, so just in the Western Conference, he went through an extremely competitive um, an extremely competitive gauntlet. And then obviously in the finals, he ended up beating LeBron James, uh, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosh. So essentially in one playoff run, he beat LaMarcus Aldridge, James Harden, Russell Westbrook, Kevin Durant, Kobe Bryant, Pau Gasol, LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosh. So when you read yeah. that out, that's extremely impressive. And obviously he had help. And uh, I know a lot of it has to do with LeBron not showing up in that final series. But nonetheless, uh, I just think that he's one of the more unsung best. Like I think he's just one of the most underappreciated legends in the NBA. So for those reasons, he's my favorite player. And he's also extremely loyal. He's played 20 years for the Mavericks. And like, who wants to play 20 years for the Mavericks? So, Well, I, I think playing for Mark Cuban has been fantastic. But yeah, just everything else in Dallas, you're not getting much. Yeah, exactly. I mean, especially because like, they've probably always been, like aside from those couple years, like they've always been, they've never been the best team in Texas. Like San Antonio has always been better than them. So. Yeah. No, that, those are all amazing points, and yeah, he brought the big fo- he brought the stretch forward to the NBA, and just the point that, that I've never thought of before is that like yeah, he is like the only big man ever to be more of a finesse player than a power player, and and like uh, that's while going to the basket. Obviously, if someone like Ryan Anderson who <clears throat> is that way, but he doesn't go to the basket, but yeah, that's an awesome point. And something that you mentioned about uh. It depending on if uh, him being the best international player of all time, if uh, Hakeem Olajuwon uh, counted as being from the U.S., I I would put Dirk above Hakeem Olajuwon at this point. Like, would you not? I mean, the only I feel like the talent disparity is definitely in Hakeem's favor, just because yeah. of how good he was on defense. But uh, just in terms of overall greatness, I feel like just be, you know Dirk is obviously he's sixth all time in scoring. Um, he's the franchise leader of basically everything for his team. I feel like you can make an argument, but I feel like just in most people's eyes, Hakeem Olajuwon is probably put much ahead of Dirk only because of the individual talent. And he does have one more championship, so I yeah, mean, and so could Dirk. I mean, that 2006 yeah. Finals. Oh yeah. Also, yeah. That 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 finals. That's another reason why I love Dirk so much. Like he got he was completely robbed of an NBA championship in that series just because of the officiating. Um, I'm not sure if you read up on that scandal. Yes. Uh, but basically, the Tim Donahue thing was basically plaguing the league around that time, and that's the reason that the Dallas Mavericks didn't win that win that series. Wait, wait, wait. Uh, hang, hang on a second. I I didn't know it had to do with the Tim Donahue thing. I knew about the problem with the officiating but i didn't know it had anything to do with uh, tim donahue uh, so tim donahue basically well like i'm not sure if he, he he wasn't refereeing the series but he basically came out after the series happened and he said he made all these comments about how like there's no way that the nba would ever let mark Cuban, like there's no way that the referees would ever let mark cuban win a series because the referees association does not like mark cuban at all they hate him <laughs> There's absolutely no way that Dallas will end up winning this series because Miami's favored. And like basically he made all these points that kind of showed the corruption of the refs. So I don't think he actually officiated in that series. But um, but no, he's been shown to be pretty truthful despite the fact that he did some bad things. No, no. like he. I mean, he's a liar, but he's – or no, he's not a liar. He's a, he's a scumbag, but he's – But he's honest, yeah. Yeah, he, he tells the truth. He, and he said that basically the, the refs never liked Cuban, so they kind of – 
And I mean, like when you go and when you go through and you watch the missed calls in that series, like yeah, they're, they're bad. completely accurate. They're, they're, they were really bad. Like there was a play for like a game winning free throw that Dwayne Wade got where literally nobody even touched him. Like he, he was actually untouched and they just called a foul. Um, and then the free throw disparity in the series and all that. So basically because Dirk kind of, he ended up on the wrong side of that adversity for no reason. And then um, I just feel like as a player, he's been through a lot um, just because, you know, he went to the finals in 2006 and then the next year he came back, he won the MVP award and then they won 67 games, but then they ended up losing in the first round to the, we believe warriors. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so like, you know, that just cause his team kind of fell apart around him. So, uh, I just feel like he, he's kind of been through more than most NBA players have just in terms of almost getting there and just like this is finally their year and just having their dreams crushed. And I'm just, I mean, I'm just super happy that he actually ended up winning a championship because his career would not be complete, oh, yeah. obviously, if he didn't beat Dallas. And it'd be one of the more sad situations in the league if a player like him didn't win a championship because of his devotion to the franchise. Oh, 100%. There'd be so much more outcry about the 2006 finals if he didn't have that championship. Yeah, exactly. But because basically he got the retribution on LeBron, it ended up, you know, kind of canceling out. But um, I don't know. I mean, I think it's an interesting case in NBA history. If LeBron James had never choked away that final series, who knows? Maybe Dirk would have left to try and get a championship somewhere uh, uh, while he was still in his 30s. That doesn't seem like Dirk. Yeah, I, I, that, that's what I'm saying. Like, But he, yeah, it would have been so should've. sad. Yeah, he, I'm sure he never actually would have wanted to leave Dallas. But at some point, I feel like. I mean, I, if I was him, I, I definitely would have because I feel like getting a championship is is one of the best things that you can. And I, there's no way that Dirk is recognized nearly as well as he is if he doesn't win that championship. Um, nobody would even really consider him like anything of what he is. Like, I think one of the reasons that he gets such high regard from both players and like other like you know media outlets and stuff is because he, he's he's one of the most well carried NBA stars. Like, he really just seems like a nice guy. Like, every anytime he's interviewed, like he's never rude to reporters. He's just really nice and funny and He's just relaxed, I guess. And, you know, like you've never heard of, you've, ne- you've never ever heard a player say something bad about Dirk Nowitzki. Um, yeah. So, and like that's that's saying something, uh, considering how underrated he already is. Yeah, and also I didn't know this about him, but I, even though he does seem like a really nice guy, he's he's clearly to me super competitive. I think he's like, I think he's like sixth all time in technical fouls. Oh wow! I didn't. Know yeah, that. which, um, and I mean. I feel like that's really just because of competition. And also, I mean, he, he's played extremely long in the NBA, so. But, yeah. No, certainly. Um, and, uh, Dirk Nowitzki is sixth all-time in technical fouls. Uh, the only people ahead of Dirk are Dennis Rodman, Gary Payton, Rashid Wallace, Charles Barkley, and Carl Malone. But he's ahead of – he is ahead of uh, – he's ahead of Alonzo Mourning, Bill Lambeer. No uh, Tyson here. Chandler, Dwight Howard, Steve Francis, Allen Iverson, Carmelo Anthony, um, really Carmelo. Shaq, huh. Kobe, Kevin Garnett. That's so he's, he's ahead of a lot of players. So That's interesting that Carmelo's that high. Hmm. I didn't realize he had that many technicals. Yeah. But still, I mean, it's cool. It's just something that people wouldn't expect from him, I guess. Yeah, and like Dirk has always just been one of those players that I feel the need to prop up myself because like I don't really have favorite players most of the time. It's just players that I feel like are underrated or overrated, and like I don't want to take some moral high ground or something. But I like to think that I'm helping a little bit to improve, well, like their basically their perception, and just I'm I'm trying to say okay, this player isn't getting the their respect, and like by him being one of my favorites or by uh, convincing someone else for them to be their favorite. 
I'm doing something to help them get their true average, their actual value, and like that's something that you really yeah. Have I mean, to and do. just all there, there, there are just so many things that he just that people don't like. Like, I mean, like he he won an MVP award. Like he averaged a fifty forty ninety. Um, he bas- he's the first player during his time who just randomly came from a different country and just ended up doing extremely well. I mean, he improved so much from his rookie year to his uh, second year. He went from averaging eight points on 40% shooting and 20% shooting from the field to 18 points on 46% shooting and 38% shooting from three. Um, like he's just, he, and he's just, he's like class personified. Like he's, he's just one of the, I mean, he's really just one of the more unsung legends ever. And the fact that he's been like, he's proven himself to be such a good shooter that he shot, he shot 42% from three and 92, 91% from, uh, from the free throw line and he's seven feet tall really just shows like, you know, he really paved the way for all these other players to start jacking threes. Yeah. And that was the MVP season. Uh, the MVP season he shot, let's see MVP season. He shot 50%, 41%, 90%. And then in 2010, he shot 42% from three, 91% from the free throw line. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. That's absolutely unbelievable that that was done by a seven foot player. Like even yeah. today, that's still unbelievable. And that's I mean, and like people say that he's like he's like on his last leg, but like last season he averaged fourteen points per game, and for a thirty-eight-year-old player in his nineteenth season, like that's that's amazing. Yeah, yeah, so. like, yeah. It, yeah. I mean, Derek's always got a place in my heart and yours as well. Yeah, um, and also just I mean, the other things like the franchise, like some things just. Like he, he kind of got screwed out of the whole Steve Nash situation because Steve Nash ended up going to Phoenix because Mark Cuban and all those guys didn't want to pay him. So yeah, and like that's that's really the only example I can think of of Mark Cuban being a bad owner. Aside from that, he's been fantastic. Yeah. So one one more thing that I want to get into uh, before we uh, get ready to close out is uh, has to do with NBA expansion franchises. So. We've been over the whole thing with uh, why we don't think the NBA should expand or why you don't think it should expand. I think it should expand, but it should switch to like a European relegation system where it expands to 40 teams and then splits in half. But if the NBA was going to expand, uh, where where would you want it? Where would you want to see it go alongside um, Seattle? Because obviously we got to get to Seattle first. Um. Well, if I were to expand the league, I would probably only ex- like have max. I would probably expand it like maybe add four more teams, add two more teams to each conference. Um, that uh, so that way you'd have seven, seventeen teams uh, in each conference. I'd probably add one. Let's see. I mean, yeah, no, like I'll throw I, I'll throw you a bone on Seattle. Like that's yeah, the one. Yeah, so Seattle. Maybe Seattle, you could add one. You maybe you could add a second team to Canada, just so Toronto's not all alone up there. Yeah. Um, and if you're trying to expand really into North America, you could even put one maybe at the tip of Mexico. Oh, that'd um, be interesting. Put, put that team in the Western Conference, and then you could put uh, the Canadian team to um, in the Eastern Conference. And then, honestly, I feel like uh, you know maybe just. Let me look at a map of the USA right now and just kind of pick a place. Yeah, Let's see. Like I'm trying. To th- I'm trying to think of like where you would uh, put the uh, Canadian team. Like some people talk about like a Montreal team or maybe like a Quebec team. Yeah, but obviously yeah. there's the Vancouver uh, uh, Grizzlies for yeah. a while. I feel like maybe like if you could, you maybe you could just add a team to like one of the Midwestern play or not a. I wouldn't do Midwest. Maybe a team like a 
South Carolina. Like, you know, that could work because uh, um, they don't have a team. Alabama doesn't have a team. and they, They'd obviously get some fans. They have a lot of people that, um, you know, enjoy sports in general. Yeah. Um, and, like, the biggest problem with the American South is just it's too uh, college-heavy. Like, that's a lot of the yeah. arguments for why Virginia doesn't have any uh, pro sports teams. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I feel like you, just any team along the East Coast, really. Like, even you could even put one in, like, Iowa. No, I wouldn't put one in Iowa. Yeah, yeah but, I wouldn't. <laughs> I wouldn't put basically this, the only states that I wouldn't put one in. Like I wouldn't put one in. Uh, like you could put one in uh, Nevada, like Vegas. Yeah, that could be fine. Like you could put one in Vegas, but the, the problem with that would be then you'd have to put you'd have to put the team in Mexico to like the east of Mexico so that they could be in the Eastern Conference. But um, yeah, and you even know, still like, it wouldn't really be in the East because Mexico doesn't go over far enough. But yeah. yeah, yeah, but you know, you'd have to do something. But yeah, I mean, I would probably put one in Vegas, one in Seattle, one somewhere in Canada, and maybe one in Mexico, just because I know Adam Silver has talked about expanding the NBA to, you know, probably being more than one country. Yeah, and, and I agree. They do Probably need to... two, but Canada is only as one team, so. Yeah, like for for me, I would probably only expand to two teams, but yeah, if I had to do your four, uh, absolutely Seattle, like that's just a no-brainer. And then uh, I I agree you do need to expand internationally, but one of the biggest problems of Mexico is like it adds an additional exchange rate, and it's also yeah. not in the best financial situation right now, so it's difficult to find. Mm-hmm. And also, probably the only place that you could put one in Mexico would be Mexico City, and I'm yeah. not sure how how far away that would be, uh, and that that commute would just be annoying. But I don't know. I think you know, Vegas actually, is, yeah, cool. yeah, let's go Mexico City. That's that's a fine place. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So uh, where else? You got to do another in Canada, but I'll try and figure out this American city. Uh, let's see. You can't do anything in the uh, northwest, all the way out to uh, basically North Dakota. That place is pretty much uninhabited. uninhabited. Yeah. Can't really do the American Southeast. Uh, can't really do the Northeast because that's all taken up. Uh, what about Kansas City? Oh, that wouldn't be bad. Because you're talking about Kansas City and Missouri? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That would, yeah, I think that could work. Because then you kind of, you kind of add, like, you kind of give, like, a team kind of for those teams. Like, like you know, people in Arkansas and Kansas and Iowa and Nebraska. Like, all the, like, you know, that Missouri is kind of in the middle of it. But they're still relatively close to, like, Illinois and Oklahoma. So, like, they could have, like, four season games against the Bulls and the Thunder whatever. So. Yeah. Okay. So we do that, and then uh, for the Canadian team, how about we put one in Ottawa? Oh yeah, that wouldn't be bad. Yeah, and then to fix the imbalances between the conferences, uh, you uh, swap uh, New Orleans with uh, trying to find a team to move over to the. Oh, you don't need oh. to. Yeah, just New Orleans yeah, yeah. and put them in the East because I think that they're an Eastern Conference team already. New Orleans is West, but they should. No, be. I mean, they should be. Yeah, is what I'm saying. They should be, and they should be in these. Yeah, because then you could have the. Then you could have what you're saying. So you're saying you would put the Missouri team in the West with Seattle. Yeah, because like Kansas City, Missouri is essentially in line with those uh, with the Dallas Mavericks. So it would be weird. If... Oh, okay. yeah, 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 okay, yeah. So, yeah, because I mean, yeah, because the East kind of line is kind of just Illinois is like the last state that kind of. But it's weird to me how Illinois, looking at this map, like Illinois is in the East, but Tennessee is in the. West. Yeah, like ten- Tennessee is the only one I make a provision for because for some reason it's just a western state. I don't like that it is, but I haven't yeah. found a way to make the math work to yeah. put them in the east. 
Yeah, one, one minute, Ryan. My mom's calling me. Yeah, sure. So, uh, really, I only have one question left for him after this. It's just going to be uh, if he thinks that uh, an NBA franchise in Europe would work. I was reading uh, a couple days ago about, not a couple days ago, what am I talking about? This was like months and months ago about a uh, American rugby league that was trying out a system where uh, one of the divisions in uh, European uh, rugby, uh, it was like uh, English rugby, really, uh, in you know, that England does a relegation system for all of its sports. They had, like, for a third division team, a uh, team in Canada. So uh, I thought that was fascinating because uh, you're dealing with a five-hour commute basically every day. Obviously, they put it on the Canadian West Coast because they're not that evil to their players. But, yeah, like, if a five-hour commute every day is a realistic uh, expectation because... If you look at it in the M in the NBA, the longest you can expect is like a three-hour commute, and that's like uh, coast to coast. And just uh, trying to see, okay, could you just have the team go on like a it, it, scheduled so that it's always on like a really long uh, home, uh, a long home stand or like a really long uh, away stand? Like, is that completely unrealistic? Because if you look at it, you might be able to make enough gains from the fact that you're uh, delving into an international market in Europe. Because if you think about it, like I, I don't know how big EuroLeague is there. That's just the European Basketball Association. But if we just added an NBA team, I think that could be huge, especially if you put it in like London or Paris. Because or, you, you would have to put it on like pretty much as far west as you can get. Or, or heck, maybe even Madrid. Like How long is that? Uh, let me look at how long, uh, how big the difference is in time zones. Actually, I'll just look up the map of Europe. Because I want to see if uh, it would have to be London. Because I'm not convinced London would be the best option. Uh, now, essentially, the UK is in line with London. And uh, where's Paris in France? I don't actually know that. Uh, but yeah, you wouldn't be able to put it in like Germany or something because that's just too far east. And too far. Yeah, too far east at that point from the US. Um, it is loading. It's still loading. I I think Paris is in the east of France, but I'm 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 not quite sure. Uh, it's loading again. Uh, no, it's it's a little west of uh London, east of London, but it's not crazy. Yeah, so you you would have to put it in either uh, London or Madrid. Uh, right now I'm kind of leaning toward toward Madrid to be honest with you, but. It would just be a question of if you want to delve into a Spanish-speaking market, because yeah, if you're, it, it, it's questionable if the NBA would want that right now, because it's completely English at the moment, and there's not that well. That's the problem with expanding into Europe, actually, because I've always found this weird about Europe that there's like 45 different languages or whatever, and like essentially a different language for every country. So that that's the weird thing. Like if you're expanding into it, you're almost uh, isolated to that one country's nationality. There's not much you can do. To, like say if you expanded into Madrid or something, then you uh, are you gonna get many German fans out of that? I don't know. And it's also questionable if Euroleague would even be willing to uh, have a, that happen for the NBA. Now something I'd be fascinated to see is if like they. Instead of doing an expansion draft, they like tried to promote a team out of the. It just a uh, like they 
just said, hey, uh, what's, uh, let's do a year-long tournament or like a five-year tournament or whatever. And just the top-performing uh, team is going to move up into the NBA. And I think that'd be really interesting to see. But, yeah, I, I think it would have to be Madrid. I, I'm thinking that, uh, obviously, Portugal is even farther west, so that might be a better option. But, I mean, Lisbon isn't a massive market, so that wouldn't necessarily be the best option. Hmm. Uh, yeah. Okay. So I think we we should probably get ready to wrap up. I think we have uh, I told you guys a bunch of uh, really good questions that we have for next time. Yep. We'll probably get on to uh, how to fix the expansion draft and would a uh, expansion team work in Europe? So that'll be fun. Uh, we might take the next week off. I'm trying to figure out if we actually have enough material to go in our week because I wasn't sure around like the two-and-a-half-hour yeah. mark if we were going to make it. But, yeah, that'll be interesting. And if you guys enjoyed the... <laughs> yeah, listening, we ended up getting it, Yeah, and if you guys listened to and uh, enjoyed listening to this podcast as much as Rod and I like talking in it, then please give us a five-star review on iTunes. That's all we need. And a written review if you yeah, are really want to, but I don't think that makes as much of a difference. We just need that five stars. And, yeah, uh, check out our YouTube channel, a Topical uh, Rationalizing the Monkey Brain into Google. It'll pull it up. It's unedited. It's interesting. It's got a subscribe button you can hit if you want to. You can even ring that bell. Give us a comment. We, I won't look at them, but, you know, if you want to be cathartic, you can do that. And, yeah, thanks for listening, and bye-bye.